pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I'm thinking of you. What kinder words could be more meaningful at a time like this? At First Florist and Greenhouses, we know everyone is coping the best they can. And when hugs are not possible, a kind word or gesture can bring comfort and a smile. So today, make that phone call or send a heartfelt note to someone you care about. And if you'd like to send a fresh bouquet of flowers, we can help with that. We're First Florist and Greenhouses at 1306 Troy Street in Dayton, a local family-owned business since 1905. And we're thinking of you. Show with Kev Nat. Back to the famous WING studios. Here's Justin Kinner and Kev Nash. All right, everybody, welcome back. Justin Kinner, Kev Nash with you here on a very depressing Tuesday. It is Tuesday, right? Yes, it's a Tuesday. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I'm literally running around. We have all, you know, those commercials running saying Buckeye football kicks off on September 3rd. <laughs> I might leave them in case that they kick off on September 3rd of next year. <laughs> Trying to make jokes, folks. It's what I do when, uh, I mean, you should see me at a funeral. Jokes, jokes, jokes. And that's what today feels like right now, man. So the Big Ten uh, announces that... Uh, there will be no fall football season, no fall sports at all. Um, and this comes after days of odd reporting coming out that the Big Ten wanted to pull the plug. And I think a lot of people were shocked. A lot of people were confused, frustrated, angry. And I think a lot of people entered the, the denial stage like I did yesterday, Kev, at a certain point of being frustrated. I was like, but there's no way. There is no way that they could pull the plug in the college football season. With everything going on, Like I think what we have learned in other sports is, is that, look, when you commit to playing during a pandemic, you can't just pull the plug a couple weeks out. Like, you commit it. You put a schedule out a week ago. You you spent. I mean, you had you were putting out all these little statements about okay, yes, uh, Big Ten teams can begin reporting to camp. You can have voluntary workouts. Just make sure you're doing this. That the proper protocols are put in place. Why would you go through all that just to pull the plug? And what I mean by that is nothing is worse today than what it was a week ago. Nothing is worse today than what it was a month ago when you were making decisions to allow players to voluntary uh, voluntarily approach campus. Like that. That's the thing that, that's frustrating about it all. So that's what I don't understand. Again, those who are just tuning in, uh, and we're going to get into the high school stuff coming up here in just a moment. Uh, But breaking news, the Big Ten has postponed its fall football season, and it will play in the spring. At least that's kind of the, the idea as of right now. Kev, are they playing in the spring? I have no reason to believe that they'll kick off in the spring if they couldn't figure it out in the fall when they've had since April and March to get it figured out by now. I wouldn't bet on it. I wouldn't put my money on a fall college football season at all. Um, like you said before, we knew about this when the world shut down in March. COVID took over the world. They had to cancel March Madness. NBA was put on pause. NHL was put on pause. Major League Baseball was delayed. And everybody kept on saying, oh, we got time. We got time. We got time. May, we got time. June, we got time. July, hey, man, we might want to start looking at this. But we still got time. And now we're... In the middle of August, and the Big Ten has pulled a plug. Um, you know, if they're hoping for a vaccine for COVID-19, you know, there's a lot of reports about Russia developing a vaccine already to be out there for testing on human trials and everything like that. 
They're going to be waiting a long time because you know what? We do have a vaccine for the flu, and that only has a 70% uh, clearance rate with the flu vaccine. So it's a lot to unpack with everything with this. It's a ton to unpack. I know I've been like kind of like the guy on this show, the Debbie Downer hashtag, there ain't no season, but it still hurts when it's officially announced. I'm crushed. College football is my favorite sport in the entire world. Not just the Buckeyes. I love the I love the sport of college football more than I love the Buckeyes. But knowing that the team that I pull for, the team that I root for, the team I grew up watching, had another chance to win another national championship, is not going to be able to do that. And basically, this entire season is a wrap for people that think that, all right, well, we'll have some college basketball. Don't hold your breath. People think we're gonna have a. No, oh, I, I I I disagree. I think this almost guarantees we will have basketball. <laughs> I think it helped. I, I really do. I, I I believe that football was the main focus and main center of attention. That they didn't care what else happened as long as they got a football season in. Now that football's not happening, Kev, they can't let basketball not happen. Technically, two years in a row as far as no March Madness is concerned. I think that this helped bas- helps basketball, which may be a select pocket in this city that might make you feel a little better. I, I truly, and I, again, I don't know how much respect, I mean, the A-10, uh, not in a Power 5, don't know how much attention and respect that that's going to get. You know, how, will that conference do everything they can to put a season in? Well, right state in the horizon league, those conferences are a lot smaller. <laughs> Sorry, Andy just said the Big Twelve commissioner here. He's no longer the Big Ten commissioner. He's oh, the, the you know the Big Twelve. Don't uh, look on Twitter, hey Kevin Warren. Don't uh, look on Twitter, man. I think I truly believe that this helps college basketball, but uh, that's a topic for later on. Uh, but man, I, I tell you what. That last caller, Tennessee Jeff, he, he brought up a lot of good points. I mean, I had literally put the nail in the coffin on the Buckeyes' fall season, uh, but it's not done yet. I, until I hear Ohio State statement come out, because th- there's levels of entities here. There's the NCAA who chose to be pointless and useless. Then there was the Big Ten who pretended to be useful until it came time to make a decision. I'm still not convinced they made the right decision. And the reason I say that is, is because if the SEC goes on to have a season and plays well, if the ACC goes on to have a season and plays well, and by the way, and I don't mean zero positive tests. There's going to be positive tests. You're playing during a pandemic, which is why I'm frustrated that you agreed to play during a pandemic and then all of a sudden use the pandemic as an excuse when the pandemic is not any worse than now than what it was back when you were putting out statements saying that we're moving forward with playing during a pandemic. That's the stuff I get frustrated with. Don't say the spring. You either kick off in the fall or not at all. Playing spring football is stupid. Urban Meyer was on the Big Ten Network earlier today. He was asked about the possibility of kicking off in the spring. He said that's a, that's a horrible idea idea why it makes zero sense to make your student athletes play two seasons in one's calendar year and i i don't get why you would want to do that um because what happens if you potentially have a quarterback that gets injured and misses all of the spring season and then because of their you know they're having to heal and everything they're going to be out until mm-hmm. november december then they've technically lost two of their seasons and you could only right. medically redshirt for one maybe you're out of red shirts i don't know the bottom line is this just sucks i've tried to say all the right things and when you get angry you're on the verge of not, uh, saying the wrong thing uh, i always try to to be balanced to be down the middle to be a little homeristic and think that okay things are going to get done but to be realistic about the coronavirus than the pandemic. But, you know, to sit there, you know, I saw someone message, you know, the corona, the pandemic won the Big Ten zero. No, the Big Ten minus one, the Big Ten zero. The Big Ten beat itself here. 
The virus didn't beat the Big Ten. The, the Big Ten beat the Big Ten. I asked yesterday, why is everyone beating up on Kevin Warren? I didn't understand why. Then I'm reading a lot of the behind-the-scenes stuff of all the miscommunication that's been going on from top to bottom, um, the lack of trust between the coaches and the Big Ten front office right now as far as that's concerned. A lot of weird, strange things going on behind the scenes. It, it's very frustrating. I tell you what, though. Big Ten will be forgiven if the ACC and SEC ultimately can't pull pull it off either. But if those two conferences and the Big 12, if they end up pulling it off, that is not a good look. It's not a good look. It's not good at all. Um, and man, that's just, it's very unfortunate. All right, so um, to, uh, and may if, and by the way, I think I'm, the, I would not be this fired up if it was the ACC or SEC. This is my, my Buckeye fandom coming out here where my anger is stemming from. So, so uh, you are you know, a fan of the Buckeyes. I am a fan of the Buckeyes. People <laughs> just, you know, I try, like I said, I try to look at it from both sides. Every time I come on these airwaves, I try to be as down the middle as possible, passionate on both sides. Cause I, that's how I am in real life anyways. Everything is, okay, I know why you're mad at me. I'm going to understand why you're mad at me and apologize from that angle right there. That's how I always view things. But this is ridiculous. And uh, like I said, my biggest frustration is is if Ohio State can't play this year because the Big Ten said, oh, we can't pull it off during a pandemic, but the SEC and ACC and Big 12 do, now that is a problem. Tim uh, Cockrell on Facebook says, uh, just your right fall or uh, Justin, you're right, fall or nothing. Yeah, you kick off in the fall or nothing at all. I, I, not for spring. And I still think Ohio State's playing this fall. Just so obviously do not we, the Big Ten. Do we know for sure if the SEC and ACC and Big 12 have a season that is a bad look for the Big Ten? Do we know that for sure? My, I'm asking that because, obviously, we all believe that there's going to be positive tests, right? Yeah. I don't think we can know if the Big Ten did the right or wrong thing like in January after the college football season is over. I just don't think that. I don't think just because you get to the end of the college football season and you crown the national championship and the Big Ten wasn't playing, I don't think that's the end of it. I think we're going to have to look at the long-term effect on the people that played, the people that caught COVID during it, how is their health years down the line because say say five ten years down the line like their heart just gives out because of them catching COVID-19 because they played this college football season so we're gonna go back in history then and be like well you know what after all y'all did do the right thing by not having them having a season not after what I heard yesterday from the players the coaches the players everyone let us play hashtag to be clear here hashtag let us play those players, who, by the way, are adults, were told the risks of playing during the virus and said, let us play anyways. So, no, I disagree. If they were saying, we don't think it's safe to play, and then the league's like, well, we're playing anyways, and if you don't want to play, fine, we'll replace you, then maybe that's a bad look. But when you got players who have been, Micah Parsons, other big Big Ten members, you know, the, the top wide receiver in the Big Ten out of Minnesota that, you know, he opted out. Those guys opted out, and I respect them for that, and I don't even, I'm not saying that in a smart-ass way. I truly respect them for that. But Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, all these other players who have come out and said, let us play, and multiple Buckeye players on Twitter. You had Ryan Day going on SportsCenter on every national show he can get his hands on, and good for him, by the way. I'm not mad at him for that. I I think that, pick a side. I think there's been too many trying to stay in the middle, including I, not me more than you, but me, you know, I've been trying to stay in the middle. And I think at some point, something's got to break to where you just got to be all in on one side. Because if you try to be in the middle too, too much, you're just going to drown yourself as far as that goes. Mm -hmm. And Ryan Day picked a side yesterday. Ryan Day was saying all the right things for months and months and months. And then yesterday said, oh, no, 
We got to play. These players, it's their dreams to play. It sounds like you have a lot of players that have come to you and said, let us play. I respect that. I respect the players who have said, let us play. And I respect the players who said, I don't want to play. And I respect the coaches who went to bat for their players. So I get what you're saying. But maybe, I guess I'm re- I should reword that. It's not a failure on behalf of the leagues in college football. I just think it would have been a failure of everyone at the time, including the players. Because at first it was about protecting the players. But the players have said, don't protect us. We know what we're getting ourselves into. Let's go. Um, I think it goes. But I do understand. I do understand what you were saying. Sorry to interrupt, but I do understand what you were saying. No, you yes. I think it also goes back to everything that the players with the hashtag and everything the players from the Pac-12 with their hashtag. We're united and the we want to play hashtag. People are loving that hashtag because it's all about the season. It's all about like yeah, they want to play. Let them play. I do find it convenient that people are down for the players using their voice to play. And it's all good that they want to play now. But when the Pac-12 was about it, and with their hashtag, people found backlash in it because they nitpicked and found the things that they didn't like about it. Let's make sure everybody understands everything about the hashtag uh, we want to play. It included things about having independent people do studies on COVID-19, independent people perform the test on COVID-19, also having insurance for them going forward after this college football season. Basically, everything that's involved, the hashtag we want to play, is the same thing as the Pac-12's United hashtag outside of the the money part. So when people are all about the hashtag, and yeah, listen to the players, people haven't listened to these players in decades. Nobody listened to Larry Johnson when he was playing at UNLV. Nobody listened to Ed O'Bannon when he was playing at UCLA. But now that the season is in jeopardy and our favorite team isn't going to play, people are talking about listen to the players. Listen to them all the time. Listen to when they're talking about how one coach is bullying them and threatening them with playing time or lack thereof playing time or threatening them with, I'm going to take your scholarship or I'm going to send you back to the farm or I'm going to send you back to the ghetto. Listen to them then, too. Don't just listen to them when they're talking about, I want to play. There's a ton of things that go on behind closed doors on these college football campuses when these big-time coaches, just because Ohio State does things the right way, just because Michigan and Alabama and all these other big-time programs do things the right way, there's a lot of other coaches out there doing them wrong, like Kirk Ferentz doing his players wrong. It's a lot that goes on. So let's support all the college athletes and not just the football players, too. It's a cancellation of fall sports, not just college football. I know college football is, you know, the big wig and the moneymaker and the sport that everybody loves. But it's a a lot of other college athletes out there that are going to be missing out on their last opportunity to compete. You know, a lot of Olympic sports, you know. So just don't think only about the college football aspect. I, I, I truly believe that people are blinded by their fandom, blinded by what they really want to hear. And they just read headlines and they read the hashtag and they retweet the hashtag and they don't even take the time to actually read what else the players are talking about. So I, I truly commend the players for standing up for themselves. You know, that's like one of my big things about college sports. But, you know, I ask the college football fans Really think about what the players were willing to do to sacrifice. Think about all the things that college coaches were trying to do. And it's also, like you said earlier, this was too little too late. Because we've been saying this. You and I have been saying this since I joined you on this show. We've been saying this. 
they need to be saying something. Not only the players, but the coaches. Because it was at first it was just you know in our our uh, Ohio State just Gene Smith talking, but the power player is the coach. Ryan Day is more powerful in public opinion than Gene Smith. It was too little, too late. If they would have had been barking this whole time trying to make sure something happens, make sure a season happens, we will have a season. That whole hashtag, I want a season wearing masks, that started like three weeks ago. That We've been talking about that since April. You and I, we don't play. We're not on the team. We don't have scholarships. Stop reminding me how I don't play. <laughs> Like high school so, flashbacks again, and, and when I and when we talked about this like a week or two ago, where the SEC, the commissioners, and their people were telling, "Well, we want you guys to be leaders and tell everybody to wear a mask." Too little, too late. Too little, too late. So everybody that's going to the bars on the weekends, having a good old time, drinking up until ten o'clock before you get kicked out. Treat yourself. Oh no, long time. Long time. <laughs> People taking their little vacations down to South Beach, having a blast and all that type of stuff. Y'all the reason why we ain't having no season. Y'all the reason. Because Ohio's numbers were down. And as soon as Governor DeWine allowed y'all to go have a little fun, y'all had a lot of fun. So don't be mad at Kevin Warren. Be mad at yourself. Because the numbers are crazy because everybody's wilding. Yeah, and keep in mind, too. We've yet to see what campuses look like with students on campus. Exactly. And whether we like it or not, they're more important than the student-athletes. Actually, I need to reword that. They are as important as the student-athletes. Yeah, they bring a lot of money, too. Let me reword that. So let me rephrase. They are as important as the student-athletes in the standpoint of we always have this perception of, you know, we got to, I mean, the student-athletes get put up on a pedestal versus just the regular old college students who actually pay their way through school. Um, So with that being said, it's like, okay, well, we got to do everything to protect the athletes. Well, I have the same mindset with high school. If if I had a son or daughter in, in high school or middle school or elementary school, and I'm finding out that here locally that the OHSA or whoever is putting more money in investing tests and other stuff for the athletes and not the regular students, I'd be pretty upset. Mm-hmm. And you as parents, I know today you parents who are Buckeye fans who are super ticked off by this, let's let's consider this. If you were sending your kids to school and you and your kids are your son or daughter does not play athletics, but you found out that in that classroom that with your son or daughter with those student athletes that well they're getting tests paid for, they're getting a lot of special treatment for being student athletes that your son or daughter is not, you'd be pretty upset. Well, that's the reality of college too. Why is it that my son or daughter who pays to go to college is not getting the same treatment and protection as the student athletes who are in essence whether you like it or not being paid to go to school with the scholarship with room and board with books uh with food stipends with uh, oh hey you need 15 dollars for wendy's on saturday well here's 500 dollars and keep the change like trust me they're fine so that's why the school presidents being able to make the final call on this good for them because we talk so much about amateurism and how money talks and everything else. Today, deep down inside, you have to admit, good for the Big Ten to a certain extent. Because they didn't put amateur they put amateurism first. No, they put the, they, no, they still no, put money uh, in front. You especially. The, they still put money in front. This is. This is they're doing no, this so they don't they get put sued. The, if they put the student athletes out there, they that would then you would be saying, Oh, see, they don't care about the student athletes. All they care about is making no, their no, money. No, no, no. Yes, yes, yes. No, you've been is, saying for a while. They don't, they don't want to be sued. And you damn straight they shouldn't be. And that makes them wrong for that, by the way. No, no, no. Absolutely. No, you're right. They shouldn't. And that's the smart thing. And 
for people that don't know, Kevin Warner is uh, an attorney by trade. So, like, you have to think about that as well. He kind of knows the laws. And people talking about guys signing a waiver, a lot of states, that's not going to hold up. It's just not. It holds up for concussions. It holds up for brain damage. It holds up for snapped legs and, and broken yeah, fingers because, and, because and everything a, else. Why do that? That's, that's a common thing. A brand new strain of virus is not going to hold up. When you're signing a waiver that says, I understand the risks involved, and although there may be, be some risks that are not, we're not made aware of at this time, you are still How, So that means we could sue our company. Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> if that was the case, we wouldn't be in here. Yes, we could. Yes, yes, we could. Okay. <laughs> okay. We definitely could. But they it, it they did this. I'm not going to say it was strictly because they don't want to get sued, but I think all right, it, it, everything's on the table. All that's on the table. Them not wanting to be sued, them doing what they feel is right for their student athletes and the rest of the student body and teachers and employees at their universities. They're doing what they think is right. And I really can't knock them for that. In all honesty, as much as much as I would love to see the Buckeyes out there this season. I truly believe that they're doing the right thing. All right. It's the Justin Kinner Show with Kev Nash, live on ESPN 1410 Wing AM, live on the ESPN 1410 Wing AM stream at wingam.com. And, of course, we are live on Facebook. Uh, we are live on Facebook. Uh, Dalton Cooper says, uh, hey, just a reminder, the Blue Jackets, the Jackets hockey, they're currently playing. Maybe. But if the perception is, hey, the perception is if Ohio State can't play during a pandemic, how can these high school kids? We're going to talk about that with Tim Street coming up top of the hour, 15 minutes from now. Six, uh, six regular season games. All teams make the playoffs. We're going to talk about what went into that decision making with Tim Street from the OHSAA coming up here in just a few minutes. Folks, we're live on Facebook. Head to Facebook and leave your comments in the comments section and be a part of the show. We'll be back in just a moment. All right, and we are back. Justin Kenner, Kev Nash with you here again. Breaking news. Just right as we were coming on air about an hour ago uh, that the Big Ten has postponed the fall football season and will attempt to play this spring. I think playing a spring uh, season is doubtful. <laughs> Justin Fields, baby. I'm just like, and again, I, I'm not really, I don't think that'll happen, but I'm, what's stopping him? Right. What's stopping him from saying, hey, that, uh, that transfer portal is about to get real busy with some elite talent. Are you going to stop him? And what's your premise for stopping him? Oh, because you mean the NCAA is going to tell you you can't transfer to LSU? Why? Oh, because it's you know it, it's it's not fair for you to go there. Why? It's not fair that my school told me I can't play, but that school over there is letting their kids play, and they're in the same thing. You know why not? Huge ripple effect. Huge ripple effect. Not to mention recruiting. Best believe that the schools that will play. We'll use it as a recruiting tool. I mean, look, uh, maybe. I mean, they might say, hey, you want to go play at a school that their league canceled the season last year? But these kids think. Yeah, yeah, I mean, say say it works on two kids. I mean. Then those kids are dumb then because what this season has nothing to do with moving forward unless next season's canceled too. Uh, I mean, that's a spin. You don't want to go play there next year. You know they canceled their season last year. Well, are they canceling next season? No. Okay, well, cool. I I'm a jerk. A you effect. can just punch me. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're getting, I'm in a mood. You're getting <laughs> agitated. I just, just, I, I just, I, I, uh, I can tell. I mean, yeah. everybody is, man. Everybody's upset. Everybody's 
I just got no words for it. Uh, shout out to Dan from Kettering. He called in. You know, he just talked about how everything that we were talking about yesterday with Nick Saban, basically, they will be safer on campus playing college football, being in that college environment where you're being tested for COVID on a weekly basis. You're not back out there in, quote, unquote, regular society back home and everything like that. And I, I do believe that. I, I truly do believe that. I know. I'm the guy on the show that doesn't think they should have a season and is kind of dangerous and all that type of stuff. But, yes, being tested more is the better thing to do than to be tested whenever you can pay for it as opposed to being tested free from the university. So I believe Dan's 100% correct. All right, four five seven nine four six four. Justin Kinner, Kev Nash with you here on 1410 ESPN Radio. Uh, the video feed bubble in just a bit. We're getting that addressed right now. So for those watching live on Facebook, thank you for being patient there. Uh, we'll get that addressed soon. Uh, lots to get into tonight, including the fact that we have Reds baseball coming up, Reds Royals tonight, 640 the first pitch, 610 the pregame. We'll have lineups coming up for you around the corner. Um, but coming up, Kev, we're going to be talking with uh, the OHSAA's Tim Street. Tim Street, again, is the, uh, you know, coming up at 4 o'clock, the Senior Director of Communications. And talking with him about the, you know, speaking of COVID-19, making changes to foot Football. High school football is going to look drastically different this fall, Kev, here in the Miami Valley, here throughout the entire state of Ohio. And no, we are not talking about, uh, you know, conference-only schedules. I know that we've, you know, spoke with, you know, athletic directors here locally. We've, we had uh, Eric Sparr with the GWAC on uh, just a week and a half ago. And after he was finally excited about being able to put out a conference-only schedule, and it seemed like they were on track to having something settled in, Kev, then the OHSA comes out and, and totally changes course right. and says it's going to be a six-game regular season. You can play up to 10 games. Six-game regular season, though. The playoffs will begin on October 9th. The regular season will kick off the week of August 24th. So how I'm understanding this, Kev, is that you can play six regular season games, lose your playoff game, and then still be able to play games after your playoff game to get up to 10 games. Tune-up games. So, I mean, that's a very interesting approach. Every team will make the playoffs. Um, you know, I, I think baseball does it this way, softball. I think there are other sports who have a similar model as far as you could play even after your tournament, if I'm not mistaken. I, I think we're going to, either way, we're going to get clarity from Tim Street coming up here. He's going to join us in five minutes. Um, and, you know, we, we're going to discuss the, the perception of Ohio State, the perception of Ohio State and the Big Ten pulling the plug on the season. Um, we'll get to that coming up. So let's talk with Tim Street about all of those things. Again, regular season games will begin the week of August 24th. The playoffs will begin on October 9th. Six-game regular season. If you get beat in week seven, you can still play in week eight. You can play up to ten games. We're going to talk about all of that. OHSCA football update from last Friday. We discuss next with Tim Street. Don't go anywhere. Show live here on ESPN Dayton. All right, everybody, welcome in. Justin Kendrick Nash with you here on a Tuesday. And it's been an interesting Tuesday. Yesterday, we thought that the Big Ten season was canceled. It was canceled, but then it wasn't. And today, it felt like it was going to at least, there was maybe a chance for some life. But then, guess what? Breaking news earlier today, the Big Ten postponed its fall football season. And now people are angry. People are fired up. People are pointing fingers. Some pointers, some middle. It's just been one of those days. I'm seeing a lot of reaction here. Uh, every parent of a college football player, our son is safer on campus playing football than he would be back at home. The virus will not disappear for him if there's no football. He'll be even more at risk. And, of course, suits, sorry, not our problem any longer. Good luck. I don't know why the Big Ten is being ripped for that. Because don't our high schools around here do the same thing? 
hey, it's actually safer for our kids to be in a school setting and environment. It's actually more dangerous for our kids to be at home. You know, maybe they shouldn't be at home right now. They should be on, you know, at school where they get fed lunches and stuff. And then the schools say, oh, not our problem. And that's okay. That's the schools protecting the kids. But uh, the kids, the 18-year-old adults, but we call them kids because they put on a helmet, uh, them, uh, all of a sudden they can't handle. This is, what it, this is what I don't like about the, a lot of the responses I'm seeing. There's more chance for them to get in trouble back at home. Look at all the mistakes they can make. I don't know. If you're trying to convince me that they're adults, maybe they should be adults and not, not get in trouble. I don't know. Every other adult around here has to figure it out how to cope throughout all this. They do as well. I'm just saying. And I'm mean and I'm heartless and yada, yada, You're all over the place. It is what <laughs> no one is safe today. No one is safe. Except for, yeah, it is what it is. We'll get to Reds baseball tonight. Uh, Columbus Blue Jackets in action now. We'll keep you updated on that score throughout uh, the show. We'll get into some of that conversation coming up around the corner um, as well. Now, keep in mind, I mentioned earlier that I, I believe that this helps college basketball. Dayton Flyers fans, uh, we're going to get into this conversation coming up in a moment. We are live on Facebook after our conversation with Tim Street. I want to hear from basketball fans who I think maybe it's a little too quick to transition into basketball because everyone, you know, is like you just, you know, bro, you, you just got divorced from football. I think it's too early to start seeing other people type of deal. Uh, but I think we can get – I think this helps foot basketball. I, I really do because I felt like before – the only thing that the NCAA cared about was finding a way, although they did play a role in it not happening, too, which is ironic enough. Uh, the only thing they cared about was getting a football season in. Now that there's potentially no football season, now I'm like, you know what? There's no way that they're going to say, well, no basketball season either. I mean, there is a way, but, I mean, they're going to put a lot more effort into making sure a basketball season happens. Now that, hey, that might be the only way for them to kind of make back some of the money that they've lost through no football during this time period. So we'll get into that, whether you believe that this helps or hurts the chances for college basketball. Like usual, Kevin and I on opposite ends. That would just fine. Uh, it's it's a, it's a different approach and angle to look at, uh, but it will be interesting. Last Friday, the OHSAA put out a statement saying that, uh, well, we're going to change things up a bit. Six-game regular season, playoffs for everybody, everyone that qualifies for the playoffs. And um, the season will start at regular time uh, the week of August 24th, and the playoffs will begin on October 9th. And if you lose in that first game of the of the of the of the playoffs, don't worry. You're allowed to play up to ten, so you can keep playing after that. Every team is able to get up to ten games. Wow, very strange. Um, but we're going to talk about that with Tim Street. So earlier today, I caught up with Tim Street. There is a question in here where I asked him about the perception of Ohio State football. I said, if Ohio State football in the Big Ten pulls the plug on the season, does that hurt the chances of high school football happening? Um, so we do discuss that. So when I ask about the chances of, hey, what what happens if Ohio State pulls the plug on the season or the Big Ten? That's why you hear me ask that. Uh, obviously, I do know I do now know that there is no Big Ten season. So keep that in mind. Here's my conversation with Tim Street from earlier today, the director of communications for the OHSAA. I'm doing good, Justin. Thanks for having me on. That's great to hear, Tim, and thank you again uh, for taking time and hanging out with us. Last Friday, uh, the OHSAA released a football update um, with some changes to the upcoming regular season, and obviously everything is changing day to day, and you guys have uh, adapted to those changes working with Governor DeWine and, and his staff, which we'll talk about here shortly. But a lot of new changes to the way the upcoming season is going to look, including six regular season games. All teams will be uh, playing in the OHSAA playoffs this coming up year. Season still begins the week of August 24th. The playoffs will begin on October 9th. 
so many moving pieces here. Everything's changing day to day. What kind of went in behind the scenes to the, to this approach um, as far as how this upcoming 2020 high school football season is going to be played and handled? Sure. Well, I tell you, Justin, you're right. that things uh, seem like they change almost every day, and it's been a, uh, a very uh, um, uh, amazing and stressful and uh, roller coaster of a summer and, and early fall so far. But uh, we're just keeping our fingers crossed for approval from the governor for our final three fall sports that uh, have been deemed high contact. And of course, football is the, the most prominent of those that people talk about the most. So I'm sure we'll get into that. But, you know, in terms of, um, you know, this past Friday with the uh, announcement of the revamped football season, you know, that did happen very quickly, um, like so many things have happened quickly uh, this summer. Um, we got word uh, late in the week that we were being advised and strongly recommended to shorten the football season. And so when we got that information, uh, very quickly we assembled our board of directors and our staff and began putting these pieces together. Um, it, it actually was one of these scenarios that, uh, you know, we have had um, in the file here. You know, we've had a million different scenarios and options uh, based on what we're permitted to do. And so we were able to uh, bring that out and, um, you know, fine-tune it a little bit, and our board of directors uh, voted 9-0 to approve it. So it all came down to, you know, us being uh, – being told that we need to shorten the football season if we want a chance of being approved. And we were able to do that quickly. And so far, the positive uh, feedback has been great to see. Um, I think most people realize we did this. Um, just give our schools um, as good a chance as possible to have a season. And also for those schools that are currently paused, that it gives them a chance to get back in the game uh, midseason. So now the the unique thing about this approach is that even if so every team should get 10 games in this season or will have the opportunity to. So if you play your six regular season games and you get eliminated that first playoff game, if I'm understanding this correctly, they still have the freedom to schedule two more games or three more games or whatever to get to 10? Yep, you're absolutely right. Schools can play up to 10 regular season games. And it's a bit of a unique uh, situation to have that in football where you could get eliminated from the postseason and then still play some games. But our schools will be familiar with that concept because it, it is what currently happens in baseball and softball um, where a lot of schools will continue to play regular season games after they potentially get eliminated from the postseason. So, you know, our schools are uh, very flexible. They, they've uh, they've handled this before, um, even going down to the fact that we're not going to use the computer ratings this year and our coaches in each region are going to get together and seed all the teams in that region. Well, that's what we do in all the other team sports already, so they're used to doing that. All right, we got Tim Street, Senior Director of Communications for the OHSAA. Good enough to join us here this afternoon uh, on the Justin Kinner Show. And, and you alluded to it next. I, I know you're waiting on Governor DeWine's uh, response and approval, uh, but is that, the, I mean, is that the big domino that's standing in your way right now? Is that, is that what is next in this approach as far as the process is concerned? It is, Justin. You're right. And uh, Governor DeWine from day one has uh, been the one who has determined uh, what can uh, move on in Ohio, what what can resume. Um, and he's been great to work with. You know, he's a sports guy. He, he gets it. Um, he knows how important extracurricular activities are. So I, I just I keep stressing that, that he certainly wants a season two and Lieutenant Governor John Husted has been our main point of contact. Uh, he has been great to work with. 
Um, he really wants sports to happen mm-hmm. this fall. So I think uh, the the big, um, you know, use the word domino. I, I would say the big task in front of all of us is to uh, be able to put a plan in place where um, we feel that it's um, appropriate to move forward with those contact sports. Um, the OHSA certainly believes we should and that we can and that our member schools are ready to do that, and, and the majority of them want to do that, and, and that's where we are too. So, you know, uh, I think um, the Ohio Department of Health has uh, a lot of information and data that they collect and use to help make their decisions. So it, it is truly a, a team effort, but, uh, you know, we are certainly hoping to get to that point where all parties are comfortable with allowing our schools to move forward and play games in these contact sports. Tim, it's been interesting looking at how other states have approached uh, their upcoming high school football season this fall. I know in California, uh, they moved their season to the spring, uh, which really got a lot of people's attention. Texas, uh, they pushed their season back a month, at least the last I checked and read. Um, It's interesting seeing the different states approach. How much of that has played a role in your team's decision-making? How much have other states' decisions played a role in your decision-making throughout this process as well? Well, we certainly pay attention to what other states are doing. Um, mm-hmm. Our member schools are aware of this, but for for all listeners, um, Ohio and every state is a member of the National Federation of High School Associations. So it would be the equivalent of the NCAA to what the conferences are. So we're every state, including Ohio, is a member of the NFHS, and the National Federation sends out guidance. Um, um, educational materials. Uh, you know, there are no national tournaments that they run, but they are basically um, assisting with each state in terms of running high school sports in that state. Uh, we we work well with the national federation. We're aware of what other states are doing. Um, I wouldn't say it really helped shape our um, our plans moving forward um, in terms of what we. Um, are permitted or not permitted to do, you know, that that's controlled by the governor and uh, the Ohio Department of Health. So we're aware of what other states are doing, but, um, you know, I think every state has has really its own unique circumstances. And uh, I'm sure, you know, you mentioned some of the states that have already made changes. Um, I think they have to do what's right for their state. Um, and in Ohio, we want to move forward and play all of our fall sports this fall. Um, I think the Federation supports that, to be honest with you. I I think that in the materials that um, the uh, executive director and the National Federation has put out there, they just keep on stressing over and over again how important extracurricular activities are to the overall health. And by health, I mean mental, social, emotional, physical, all those things, how important that is to students. Tim, yesterday, obviously, so much attention being given to the Big Ten in Ohio State as so many reports began circulating that the Big Ten commissioner was about to announce that they were going to pull the plug on the 2020 college football season, at least from the Big Ten's perspective, which obviously impacts the Ohio State Buckeyes. And it it got brought up on numerous occasions uh, from different callers yesterday and from listeners and even Kevin myself debated this about the perception of 
if the Buckeyes do not play in 2020, how can high school football players play in 2020? If it's too dangerous for the Ohio State Buckeyes to play during a pandemic, how can we have these high school kids play? And I guess the question I have is, is I know they're totally separate entities, but I think it's a perception question. Does the perception of Ohio State not playing in 2020, if that happens, does that perception impact you and your team's decision-making moving forward? Well, it really does not. And uh, I've tried to stress this a few times here in the last 24 hours, and <clears throat> we'll continue to do so. <clears throat> but, you know, the college level is, is so much different than the high school level. You know, at, at a college, let, let's take Ohio State, for example. They have uh, students and student-athletes coming to that huge campus from all over the country. And, and some of our colleges in the country have, of course, international student-athletes coming from all over the world. So you have all those uh, students from all over the country coming to a large city, um, to a large campus. They're living together, um, and that that certainly is a hugely different dynamic than what we have at the local level at our high schools. So that's number one. Number two, what's different is, you know, when Ohio State plays a game or any Division One college plays a game, the travel involved is so much different than what we have at the high school level. You know, at Ohio State for most of their games, they're going to get on a plane and fly somewhere, or they're going to bus for three or four hours to get there, uh, That and, and across multiple states. You know, that is such a different dynamic than what we have at the high school level. So we think those two things in particular make college football so much different than high school football. Um, obviously, at the college level, when they leave the, the facility uh, or the practice uh, area, they're going to go live in their apartments. They're living with other people. They're they're certainly have that dynamic involved um, at the high school level you know kids leave practice they go home and that that's so much of a different and and, and in many ways safer dynamic than what is existing at the college level and uh, you know we've said it all summer and we continue to say it that we can't think of a better or safer place for student athletes to be than at school with their teammates and with their coaches. We, we think that our high school coaches in Ohio um, are some of the best in the country, and uh, if there's anyone that's going to be able to move us forward and have a football season, it is our Ohio football coaches. All right, Tim Street, senior director with the OH, senior director of communications with the OHSAA. Good enough to take time out of his busy t- uh, day during this time to hang out with us a little bit. Tim, I want to send you out with this. Um, obviously, during this time, you are not going to make anybody. You're not going to make everyone happy at one time. You're, you're always going to have pockets of people who are upset and critical, and pockets of people who are happy. I think that's just the nature of everything going on right now. Um, but one thing that has come up many times has been what is the what is the exact role of the OHSAA as far as in regards to the what decisions you can make on behalf of schools where is the line in the sand like what what decisions are you allowed to make on behalf of schools as far as being a governing body of all ohio high school uh, athletics yeah great question i tell you that's uh, been brought into the spotlight a lot this summer even back to last march and it'll continue to be so um, I'll give you the real quick answer, Justin, but then take this if you want to go down a different direction. But mm-hmm. um, first and foremost, uh, the OHSA is a private association. Uh, we're a nonprofit. Um, our, our schools are volunteer members. Uh, they don't have to be a member of the OHSA. In fact, there are high schools and, and secondary schools here in Ohio that are not members. Most people would realize that most high schools are a member because um, they want to be in, in the official postseason tournament. 
but not all are members. Um, but they're, they're volunteer members. They don't pay membership dues. Uh, the OHSA establishes the playing dates, when the season starts, when it ends. We coordinate the tournaments. And then also, we are the governing body for the bylaws that our member schools vote into place. Our member schools determine the Constitution and the bylaws, and then the OHSA staff is charged with enforcing those bylaws. So that's really our role. You know, when, um, when uh, on March 10th, uh, let's go back to that Tuesday, mm-hmm. we were getting ready for our girls' basketball and wrestling state tournaments, and uh, Governor DeWine said, you, you can have them, but you have to greatly reduce fans, just, just families. Well, we had to do that then. Uh, that's just one example. Another common example is that in um, late April, Governor DeWine announced that our school campuses and our, our school facilities would remain closed throughout the rest of the school year. Well, if that's the case, then we cannot have high school sports. So, you know, the governor and the Ohio Department of Health are way above the, I guess if you want to use the phrase, the power level. Um, uh, they're, they're so much uh, higher than the OHSA. We're, we're, a, we're a private nonprofit. Um, our schools are volunteer members. Uh, so it's definitely a different dynamic than what, um, what you have in some other areas. For example, the Ohio Department of Health, obviously that's a state agency. Um, a lot of people think that we're a part of the Ohio Department of Education. Um, but we are not. We're, we're our own uh, small office here, and we're going to do the best we can to, to run the tournaments and help enforce the bylaws that the schools put in place. All right. Well, good stuff. Tim, thank you uh, so much for taking time and just kind of bringing some clarity to a lot of the behind-the-scenes stuff. I know this isn't an easy time. Anytime I have someone on the show right now that is in a decision-making role or within a team of decision-makers, I always say I don't envy you right now. (laughs) I know your job's very rewarding, but I I don't envy you right now uh, as far as being in this situation. But uh, I know you and your team are more than capable of doing this, and you're doing a great job. And I know a lot of people are just excited to hopefully get to see not just... Justin Kinner. All right, and we welcome you back. Justin Kinner, Kevin Nash with you here on 1410. Can't too many buttons over there. Yeah, man. A lot going on over here. Aye, aye, aye. So, and thank you to Tim Strait for taking time and hanging out with us just to give us a little bit more background information. So, yeah, high school football, Kev. Six regular season games. You lose your first game of the playoff. You could still play up to three, game, three more games. You can play up to ten regular season games. Now, I don't know how likely that's going to be that anyone's going to go out of their way to play 10 games. I mean, I, I know it's a, I mean, it's one of those things that sounds nice. Sure. You can play up to 10 games. We're just going to be six game regular season. Playoffs start on October 9th. I don't mind it. I, I don't mind it. And, and, and by the way, now it's too little too late. Do you want to talk about experimenting thing with things during this pandemic right now, the college football playoff where all five conferences should have got together and said, okay, well, how about we all play short, significantly shorter seasons. Mm-hmm. Let's play six, seven games. And, We'll have a, a, you know, let's experiment with that eight-team college football playoff. I, For me, I'm all about the four-team playoff, but I would have been all four of all years to try the eight-team playoff. This would have been that year to do it. It obviously means nothing now. I heard it talked about on some shows last night. I had it in my notes to bring up today, but it all means nothing. Again, for those of you who do not know, uh, and I don't know how you don't, but if you're just getting off work or just kind of flipping through channels on the radio and are stopping on ours, the Big Ten has postponed its fall football season. No football this fall for your Ohio State Buckeyes. Maybe. Maybe. I, there is this dream that is out there. There is this dream and hope, Kev, that Buckeye fans alike are all out there right now hoping and praying 
that the Buckeyes play an SEC schedule this year, a Big 12 schedule this year. Any schedule. Any schedule this year. Uh, the Big 10 postponed their season. Who knows what's up next for Ohio State? The Pac-12 makes the same decision. Jeff mm -hmm. Goodman, who is obviously used to work with the ESPN now Stadium, uh, he you know pretty much covers college basketball. But he tweets out that uh, he spoke with a Power Five AD, uh, a, a current Power Five AD, and it's not a. It's obviously the athletic director he's referring to is not of the Big Ten, and it's not of the the Pac-12. Just ripping. Warren and ripping the Pac-12. This is the the of course an anonymous quote. And by the way, um, I don't know how if you're going to be a Power Five, you know, commissioner and you or an athletic director. I'm sorry, and you're going to speak up like this. You you need to put your name to it. This is messed up. So this is what this this random anonymous Power Five AD says to Jeff Goodman, college basketball reporter. But again, nonetheless, his relationships with college athletics and athletic directors stems to this conversation. Um, this quote from a random anonymous Power Five AD to Jeff Goodman says that you've got one pro guy with no background in the industry in Kevin Warren. And that's the Big Ten commissioner. And a guy in Larry Scott, the Pac-12 commissioner, who acts like he's smarter than everyone else. We're supposed to be about the players. This isn't about the players. Now, you, you might as well call me a pancake today because I'm flip-flopping on a lot of things. I'm so back and forth. I know that deep down the right decision was probably to pull the plug. And I think the only reason that I'm not waving as aggressively as I, I would like to about saying it was the right decision is because... I'm still concerned that the other conferences who are aiming to play, if they get a season in, it's going to look really, really bad. And I, and I think my jealousy, my fandom, okay, mm -hmm. my fandom is going to come into play and say, when I'm wa every time I watch the SEC, I'm going to be seething. Yes. When I tune in to watch the ACC, a joke of a conference that has one national championship contender, two if you count the charity game that they gave to the Notre Dame, all right, it, it, two if you include them. I'm going to be seething watching Notre Dame this year. I'm going to be seething watching Clemson. I'm going to be seething watching Alabama, Nick Saban, and the SEC play this year. And I'm not even mad at them. I should be happy because it's at least college football, maybe. But uh, I'm going to be seething because the whole time it's like, man, where's Ohio State? Right. Where's the Big Ten? And there's still a chance Ohio State could play. It's a long shot, in my opinion. But I think this comment is messed up. We're supposed to be about the players? All right, genius. Who's to say that this decision was not about the players? Right. Who's to say that this decision... And who's to say that you're thinking about the players? You're an athletic director. You have a lot of invested interest into why you want a season this coming up year. Your your pockets really rely on that upcoming season. You know, this is why I'm saying I'm, I'm considered a pancake today. I'm flip-flopping all over the place because earlier I was, you know, now I'm like, you know what? If something down the line happens to these players, is this athletic director going to be as passionate about the health of those guys that end up being severely ill, maybe terminally ill at a certain point? Who knows the complications that are going to fall out from this? Right. Okay? So th th this is why I have a problem with that. How are you going to say that we're supposed to be about the players? If you pull the plug on the season to protect the players, how is that not for the players? Now, sometimes when you are a parent, you've got to make tough decisions that not always the kids are going to like. That's kind of what this is right here. Except the problem is, is the kids are the fans who are throwing temper tantrums on social media today. Right. That's basically what we're dealing with. But the athletic director, I wish Jeff Goodman would out this idiot. Because that's ridiculous. You don't have to agree with the Pac-12 and the Big Ten. I don't. You are in the middle. It's like there's pros and cons to yes, both pros sides. pros and cons. But for me, I think that's, abs that's an absolute embarrassment to come out and say that. Who's to say that that decision was not made for the kids? 
And sure, there's business, there's professional aspects as to to why that decision was made. But give me a dang break. That that's messed up. Yeah, really, that's a that's a that's a cowardly response to what just happened today. The Pac-12 and the Big Ten pulling the plug in the fall season. We talked about this off air. The only way that the Big Ten and the MAC and the Mountain West and the Pac-12 for them to be right is if somebody dies. Like if somebody has an asthma attack and can't breathe because they caught COVID-19, one of these student athletes playing a football game. Say they catch it and they die. That's the only way that people are like, well, dang, they was right. And that's unfortunate because nobody wants to see that happen. Nobody wants anybody to die because of COVID-19 or complications of COVID-19. Do yourself a favor. Go ahead and read that article about the uh, young man from Indiana. Read about how hardy trouble he's having recovering from COVID-19. An 18-year-old. Since everybody thinks, oh, man, this doesn't affect young people. He's 18 years old. He's a freshman. He just graduated from high school. He's having trouble bouncing back. Like, this thing is for real. And for another AD to wreck those guys for trying to do something that they deem is right, I think it's disingenuous. I think it's I think it's messed up, man. I think that everybody, especially, you know, I really can't knock the fans because they're fans. Really can't knock former players because, well, they're former players. They a lot of these guys put on a, a helmet on the collegiate level. Some of them put it on the scarlet and gray. Some of them are are silver bullets through and through. But some of the reporters, people that are reporters, that are turning into fans, showing their fandom. No, 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 no. If you got a podcast or something like that, go ahead and do that. But if you out here going ape crap on language, yeah, on these commissioners for the cancellation of the season, man, something's wrong with you, man. Something truly is wrong because when the student athletes were out here using a hashtag Black Lives Matter, you didn't have anything to say. But now they're out here using a hashtag We Want to Play. Yeah, you're all about it. Get out of here with that, man. If you're supporting the players, you're supporting this movement because not only you want to see the games, not only because you want to be entertained, you want your pockets lined, too, because this is how you make your bread and butter, too. Yep. All Truth be told, this is how we make our money, too. So, yeah, them Ohio State not having a football season, yeah, it puts us in jeopardy. Like, yeah, there's no doubt about it. But there's never been a moment that I've been on this radio saying, like, hey, I don't think this is a good idea. I just don't. I don't see it happening. Just don't see it happening. I mean, you know, you go a little back and forth, which is fine. I mean, this is a complicated issue. There's no way you could go in here and say, oh, man, this is clear cut. They don't need to be playing. Oh, this is clear cut. They should be playing. It's a very complicated issue. And somebody had to make a decision. Somebody had to be an adult unlike the NCAA, and make a decision. The Big Ten made a decision. The MAC made a decision. Mountain West made a decision. Pac-12 made a decision. And I truly believe eventually everybody's going to be on the same page where the postponement slash cancellation of the college football season is going to come. All right, four five seven nine four six four. We just opened the phone line, so if you want to call in, um, we we've gotten a lot of your reactions on Facebook. If you can't call in, that's okay. 
uh, and you want, you're listening to the show, you want to watch the show, head to Facebook. Search The Justin Kinner Show on Facebook or ESPN Dayton. And uh, when you're watching the show, comment in the section underneath, and you will be able uh, to, to, obviously, when you comment underneath, we'll be able to pull your comments and your picture into the broadcast and be able to interact with you that way. Uh, so take advantage of that opportunity right now. Justin Kinner with you here. It's The Justin Kinner Show with Kev Nash on Dayton's ESPN Radio Station, 1410 Wing AM. And then you got a team like Nebraska. A team like Nebraska, who's cracking me up. I mean, they're I mean, they, they're cracking me up. Like, I get it. Ohio State's mad. Michigan's mad. Uh, you know, Ohio State, Michigan's mad. All you know, all these teams are mad, and they have every right to be mad. But then you got Nebraska. Nebraska's like that guy in that group project that didn't do one thing to help the group project. But then when that grade comes back and it's not as great as you thought, that guy's mouthing off the loudest. It's like, why? You don't contribute. You don't get to talk right now. Nebraska pumping its chest. We're going to go play in the SEC. And the SEC is looking at the ACC like, you want Nebraska? We're, we're good. And like, do, do you really do you want Nebraska? Nebraska is cracking me up, man. It's so funny right now looking at Nebraska. Acting like they're good. I mean, trust me. Everyone's looking at what Ohio State is going to do. Everyone is looking uh, at what Michigan and Wisconsin and some of these teams are going to do. Dustin, Eric, Michael, and Tim, all of you on hold, I promise you. We're going to get to your calls when we come back. But in the meantime, head to Facebook. Search The Justin Kinner Show. Give the show page a like and hang out with us. Tune in. Comment beneath. And let's get your opinion on what's next for Ohio State in the Big Ten. Don't go anywhere. thinking of you what kinder words could be more meaningful at a time like this at first florist and greenhouses we know everyone is coping the best they can and when hugs are not possible a kind word or gesture can bring comfort and a smile so today make that phone call or send a heartfelt note to someone you care about and if you'd like to send a fresh bouquet of flowers we can help with that we're First Florist and Greenhouses at 1306 Troy Street in Dayton, a local family-owned business since 1905. And we're thinking of you. Your show with Kev Nash. Back to the famous WING studios. Here's Justin Kinner and Kev Nash. All right, welcome back. Justin Kenner, Kev Nash with you here. Um, Pac-12 Commissioner Larry Scott says, unlike professional sports, college sports cannot operate in a bubble. Well, right now I'm hearing a lot of rumblings out there about how college basketball is trying to operate within some kind of system to come up with some kind of plans to play within the bubble. Well, if you're a Pac-12 team, I'd be a little concerned since these guys are all about the guillotine, just cutting seasons off, man. Yeah, I think we can potentially see college basketball in like a pod, like kind of how they're doing it in NHL. How about you only play people in Ohio? How about that? Maybe that... UD team can stop being a bunch of cowards and actually play the other team. He's on the roll today. Um, at you know other media members, like you know, like everyone in media, everyone kind of buddy buddy sometimes. Yeah. Unless you just truly don't like that other individual. No, he's going to everybody. Like Mike Goley Jr. And I say going out, yeah, that ain't fair. I mean, they're not like being nasty or whatever. I know Twitter, that's what you do. But uh, you know, he is uh, not happy uh, as far as that concerned. Blue Jackets in action. We'll have a score update for you coming up here in just a little bit. So we'll keep an eye on what's going on with the Blue Jackets again. Playoff action right now. It's just, I mean, it's rapid fire. I mean, we're being very negative for a, for a group of people who, who swore that, man, we'll never take sports for granted again, and we shouldn't. And today's a prime example of that. Uh, potentially no Ohio State football this fall. It's looking very unlikely, um, very unlikely, unless somehow, some way, Ohio State works out a deal to play, to play an SEC schedule, to play an ACC schedule. And, and why are we locking it to a conference? Why, you know, what are the conferences that have that plus one? The ACC has that plus one, mm-hmm. you know? 
And besides, if you're Ohio State, in all seriousness, do you want the smoke? <laughs> do, you, do you want the SEC? Like, you think you want the SEC. Look but you, you know what happens? All the cool terms that the kids are using nowadays. Uh, you know, I'm pretty <laughs> hip for a 30-year-old. If you were Ohio State, as, from a, a fan's perspective, yes, I want Ohio State. Alabama, Ohio State, LSU, Ohio State, Georgia, Ohio State, Auburn, Ohio State, Florida. But what what does Ohio State come out looking like on the other side of that? Because it's easy to pump our chest. I hear it all the time. The Mason-Dixon line, those guys won't go play ahead of the Mason-Dixon line. Well, what if they do? And what if the result's not what you like? Then are we just going to say, well, you know, no fans. Because of COVID. You know, some of our players are showing COVID-like symptoms. I mean, I mean, I could just hear it now. I could just hear it. Yeah, no, not enough fans in the stands. Sometimes I think the ACC schedule it'll be okay. Uh, Clemson should scare the hell out of you because we haven't been able to figure out a way to beat them. But I'm joking. But man, that would be that would be something. Don't be too don't panic too much. There is a small chance that there's still a season. Let's go to the professor. The professor has been waiting on hold. What's up, sir? How are you? Well, this is the professor classes in session. I suggest everyone take notes because I may throw a pop quiz at you. I don't do well uh, in quizzes. I was in school eight years, and I'm not a doctor, sir, but I right. will try my best. I'll give it the old college try. How about Absolutely. that? Absolutely. All By right. Way, Kev, I was a big fan of yours when you were in the uh, wrestling as, as, under the name of Diesel in the WWF <laughs> so, so many years ago. Thank you, um, brother. You were talking about going, uh, results not being as you like. Isn't that the case every Saturday, uh, Justin? I mean, I remember going to uh, traveling uh, with Ohio State to uh, Northwestern one one Saturday and not getting the results I like. That's the reason we were interested, because it may be the results you like, and then again, it may not be. Do you think the people in Indiana care that their team goes 5-8 uh, and eight continuously? No, but they still love football. Those right? are the most passionate so, 10 fans I could think of. Well, uh, nevertheless, though, uh, I would like to correct Kev on an assertion that he made last hour, and that was uh, somehow this cancellation of the Big Ten season was made by medical professionals. I assume medical professionals had nothing to do it with it. I suggest that uh, it was all done by, uh, say, judgment of trial lawyers. Uh, they didn't want a situation where this time Can you repeat year, that? Can you repeat that? You kind of broke up. Can you repeat that? Oh, uh, I suggest that the uh, decision wasn't made by medical professionals, but by trial lawyers. Trial uh, lawyers. They didn't want an episode uh, this time next year where there's a guy on TV saying, did you play Big Ten football in the year 2020? You may be able for, uh, capable of or enabled for compensation, right? It's They're afraid of getting sued. Yes, uh, Kevin Warner. What? I keep calling him Warner. It's Warren, right? Kevin Warren. Kevin Warren. Uh, is a practicing he attorney. He might change his name after today, but yes, Kevin <laughs> yes, Warren. Yes, he is an attorney by trade, so you might be right. No, well, that is right, because when you look at it, who is, who is the least vulnerable to this uh, uh, to this uh, virus that has a uh, 99.997 uh, survival rate? It's healthy young athletes, right? Playing outside. They are the least uh, least susceptible to morbidity by this virus. Okay, who's who's uh, uh, next on the list? Probably uh, Ohio State fans or football fans anywhere outside during the day because this virus can't is virtually uh, dis destroyed by sunlight in, in a stadium. Now let's say that Ohio State only has uh, forty thousand people in in the, in the, the shoe, uh, and they social distance. Still, that is a that is an, a not an irresponsible response. 
uh, uh, most of the danger, I will say. Now, I will. I, if I had the capability of measuring this, I would bet anyone that at the end of the year, more football players were killed by um, speeding in their cars, uh, stupid human tricks, and homicide than would be killed by this virus. I want to hear more about human tricks. What are you talking about human tricks? Well, well stupid human tricks. Like like, like uh, juggling like Jumping like into swords? The, uh, the swimming pool from the second uh, floor balcony uh, and, and on spring break. Fair. Or uh, hold my beer, watch me do this. Fair. Or a fifth of whiskey, that's nothing. Watch, watch me chug it. Very I mean, fair. there's all sorts of stupid human tricks that somehow uh, young people seem particularly vulnerable and prone to do. So uh, no, uh, this this is this isn't being decided, and and you could solve it in five minutes. Make everybody sign a waiver, just like you sign a they waiver. They tried the waiver, and people lost their you... minds. People lost their minds, Professor. When people try to get them to sign waivers, everyone, the the national media, a lot of people were were disgusted at the fact that the Ohio State even had the or, had the nerve to even bring out a Buckeye contract to have them sign that they're acknowledging the risks at hand. I don't know why. I I semi agree with the waiver thing, but. I don't know. There's a question well, as to how that holds up in court, too. In my lifetime, I have seen polio epidemics. I've seen SARS epidemics. I've seen swine flu epidemics. And um, most of them, and, and especially the uh, meningitis epidemics that, are, that uh, college-age and uh, school-age kids are prone to mm-hmm. and are fatal. But we still carried on our lives, and we still played football, among other things. Okay, why is this different? Because of the strength of trial lawyers. Uh, um, kids are especially uh, healthy young athletes are virtually bulletproof when it comes to this virus. Now, what, what seems to be the mo- what makes a person the most vulnerable is if you have a body mass index over 40. In other words, are you obese? And that sounds like a, a yes, I of, am. A oh. bunch of offensive linemen and defensive linemen. There, doesn't? there might be an offensive lineman or two that that qualifies as that. I might. I mean, I, I don't think I've ever seen a skinny offensive lineman. At least not a well, good but, offensive lineman. But you know, are are they obese? Generally not. That spring training uh, generally knocks the obese right off of them. <laughs> but uh, you know, uh, so uh, to me, there's no reason why we should uh and, and i'm convinced that if this had been last year rather than this year because this is election year this wouldn't be an issue at all we'd be carrying on our lives and and uh, to compare the mac or these other conferences uh compared to the big 10 or the or the pac and that's like comparing the food truck to mcdonald's you know by and large these programs do not make money uh they have to prostitute themselves on thursday and friday nights just to get some television exposure and some and some uh, TV money, you know, it's it's apples and oranges. Uh, to me, the most pure form of football is Division Three, the type they play in Kenyon, the type they play in uh, Wittenberg. These schools, because the guys have no expectation of the pros, and they're doing it strictly for the love of it. And the kids are out there on Saturday, knowing they're not watching the pinnacle of the of the sport, but they love it anyway because it's, it's the ritual. And the uh, the, uh, the the sense of what it means to be yep. a, a college student. But hey, professor, we're out of time, man. We got to hit this commercial break. You need to call more and keep uh, you know teaching the masses. Okay, well, thank you very much, and we'll do this again real soon. Class is out. Class is out. <laughs> All right, sounds good. <laughs> You're gonna learn today. I guess so, man. Maybe you need to learn about Xavier Thomas from Clemson and Brady Freeney from Indiana. You know, those guys aren't recovering too well from COVID-19. Two people out of what? How hey. many? 
<laughs> I guess that's what they had, 99.9. Uh, I mean, but you're going to have the people. How many people have passed out and, and passed away during practice because it was too hot outside? That's the truth. Uh, and, and you're going to get those people coming back with that. So, uh, but, yeah. Human tricks, huh? Human tricks. I'm glad that's where he went with that. I thought he was going somewhere else with that. Sound like that show I've been watching, P-Valley. <laughs> I've made that same joke too many times. I ain't going there. We'll be back in a moment. More of the Justin Kinner Show with Kev Nash next. with you here for those who are watching live on facebook cut us off for a second but we are back so head back to facebook hang out with us we'll listen live on 1410 wing am or stream us at wingam.com happy tuesday at least it is happy for some people out there not buckeye fans not big 10 football fans not pac 12 fans if they exist uh you know it's been a rough day by the way uh score say you or me Oh, look at that. i got to hit the mute button as far as that's concerned. Like, what go. is that? Um, Blue Jackets have a 2-1 lead over the Lightning. End hey. of the second period. So there's that. Playoff action right there. NHL playoff hockey. In fact, uh, uh, we're going to get more into some Blue Jackets later on this week. Uh, looking forward to that, too. Again, right now, Blue Jackets playing real well and kind of giving the city of Columbus something to feel good and excited about after they just feel gut-wrenched after today. I still think, and by the way, uh, head to Facebook right now. Do you, Thumbs up, thumbs down. Will Ohio State play a game this season? Do you believe that just because the Big Ten season is done, that this season is done, that their season is done? I, I, I don't know what to believe at this point, but I'm going to hold out hope, Kev. Four five seven nine four six four Facebook. Head to Facebook. Watch us live on Facebook, or you can text us using the ESPN Dayton Fan Hotline two one zero nine six seven six. I'm curious from people. Do you believe that Ohio State will kick off at any point this fall? Will they play football this fall? The Big Ten is done, but there are a lot of people out there. Oh, play the SEC. Play the ACC. Big Twelve. Do you believe that the Buckeyes are done? Head to Facebook. We're live on Facebook. In the comment section below, leave us your answers. For those of you watching, comment below. I'm curious. I want to kind of get a kind of gauge the interest of fans right now. How interested are you in watching Ohio State play a season, even if it's not in the traditional Big Ten regular season aspect? Tradition's out the window, folks. Mm-hmm. So you can forget Ohio State-Michigan happening, or can you? Kev, let me ask you this. What's keeping Ohio State from calling Michigan and saying, let's play? What's keeping Ohio State from calling Wisconsin? I mean, if these presidents and schools are allowed to call these other conferences and say, hey, we're all, we're all game, you know what I mean? Like, what's keeping them from being able to do that? Like, these, te- yeah, these teams technically could still play, right? Like, as weird as that sounds, it would be unsanctioned Big Ten football. Right. Uh, I don't even know the breakdown of the vote. I haven't seen that. You know, uh, we saw the Pac-12 was unanimous voting to cancel or slash postpone their season. But I haven't seen the vote from the Big Ten yet. So, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what would be the case. I mean, we heard from Gene Smith saying him and uh, the president-to-be were 
with postponing the season until later in September as opposed to canceling it or moving it all the way to the spring. Um, so I, we don't know. I mean, apparently right now we know Ohio State, Iowa, and Nebraska all were probably on the same page. Yep. So we don't know about the rest of the teams from the Big Ten. So I would like to know that. I would like to know, hey, man, if it is only one game, like if it is only Ohio State, Michigan, if it was that the only game we get this year? I mean, you've already could, started could camp. Is it that crazy to think that Ohio State, Michigan could just say, "Let's let's do this. Let's let let's do let let's do one game. Let, let's at least give our fans one game at Welcome Stadium." Oh no! Don't go there. <laughs> AJ Green, close your ears. Put a bubble around you. I threw that one up there. Oh man, AJ Green has never been the same since. Technically, he wasn't the same before. Um. Dylan says Buckeyes will not play on Facebook. Again, head to Facebook when you're watching us live on Facebook. Comment in the comment section. I still think there's a lot of ch- there's a lot of chatter out there that Ohio State, you know, jump ship, go play elsewhere right now. Just because the Big Ten canceled its sanctioned Big Ten season does not mean that Ohio State will not play. This comes from uh, ESPN's Adam Rittenberg, who Kevin and I just had on the show last week. He says, and I love that he started out with "Wow." By the way, "Wow." Arizona State Athletic uh, Director Ray Anderson emphatic that the school will play again. Well, that's very passionate if you just mean at some point in the future. I mean, then, yeah, good for you. But that's not what this sounds like. This sounds like play like this year, like this fall. Mm-hmm. Um, on other schools from other leagues attempting to recruit Sun Devils athletes have at it, Anderson said. Wow. Kind of one of them, if you don't want to be here, you don't want to stick it out through the tough times, don't. Get out of here. So that's a different approach, too. I'm telling you right now. Arm Edwards thinks it um, is. Hello? <laughs> you play to, well, you hope to play the game. Hello? Too easy. Uh, all Hermie. We should get him on the show again. He has time. Uh, so. Dylan says, but I want them to. We all want them to. Uh, I think that's going to be interesting as far as that is concerned. Tom Payne, he messages into the show saying, with no football at OSU, what will keep Ryan Day from going to the NFL? Um, look, the, the timing doesn't doesn't fit, Kevin. And four five seven nine four six four phones are open. Uh, the timing doesn't fit. I don't see that being a, a, a situation yeah. to worry about, mainly because the NFL right now, uh, for one, is about to kick off, and I, I'm very confident that the NFL kicks off on time coming up. I, I really, I, I believe that. I think pro sports are different. They're, they're they're in charge of their players and reporting to their players, and like they don't have all these outside. They don't have school presidents and others who are trying to, uh, you know, make decisions. Like school presidents played a huge role in this. Uh, individuals played a role in this that have more at stake than just the sport itself. Like the school presidents, as we talked about yesterday, they're not only making decisions for student athletes. Mm-hmm. If it was, if this was an athletics director decision, Kev, Ohio State would be kicking off on time. We wouldn't even be talking about this. The only thing we would be talking about with college football, if athletic directors were in charge, it would ma- ma- mainly just be, all right, uh, here's what we're doing to protect the players and go from there. But because school presidents are in charge of making decisions that go beyond just the scope of college athletics, the academia side plays a huge role in this, too. That's kind of where we're at with this um, as far as that is concerned. Let's go to the phones. You said Chris. We got Chris. Yep. Chris, what's up, man? How are you? Hey, how's it going, guys? I think this right here would be the perfect chance for the XFL to hop in and take all the players that we're going to go off into the draft next year and say, hey, come play this fall. They can figure out a way to throw a season together and start off late, this would be their chance to get some top-name talent 
to play even just for one season in the XFL is to be their opportunity. I know the Rock just bought them, and I think it's time to put your money where your mouth is, and you can probably make something happen with this and get it off to a good start. Yeah, I don't know how realistic it is to think that they can get something off the ground so quickly. Uh, that that I, I, I definitely understand what you're saying. I would feel better about that if the XFL had not folded up shop uh, for the second time in the existence for the last two decades. Uh, and by the way, I don't blame the XFL for folding the way it did, not you know resuming its regular season, not crowning a champion. COVID knocked them out. Uh, I have no problem. I'm not going to make fun of the XFL for not. You know, being able to sustain everything that was going on during that time, you're basically a, a startup of a, an original startup. So, I'm not going to knock the XFL. However, Chris, uh, you bring you bring up a great point. I think this would have been a very interesting situation had the XFL still been around, uh, because I think they could have swooped in and provided some kind of playing ground for these athletes. But I don't see them just kind of resurfacing after calling it quits in the middle. Ownership changes. Um, you, you know, is Oliver Luck still a part of this new XFL? That's going to be the other thing. I don't see the XFL playing a role in this moving forward. But we asked this yesterday, and we still don't know. A lot of those questions are unanswered, Kev. But what is stopping Georgia from calling Justin Fields? Nothing. Uh, what's stopping Justin Fields from entering the transfer portal? Nothing. Now, let, let me be clear. Trevor Lawrence doesn't need to play again this year. Right. Like, Trevor Lawrence, as of right now, is still on schedule play. Justin Fields isn't a lock. And what I mean by that, he's going to get drafted. Most likely the first round. But I think Justin Fields risks being one of those quarterbacks that Dwayne it happened to Dwayne Haskins. And for those out there who said, oh, we don't need to see more than one year of Dwayne Haskins to know he's great. He didn't look all that great. He didn't even look a tiny percent of himself in his rookie year that he did at Ohio State. So you can't make the argument that Justin Fields is completely fine. with like, And we hear it all the time. The, the, a lot of the teams who are judging these quarterbacks who only have one full year under their belt as a starter, that's not enough. Right. Justin Fields has not started enough games. 13 games. For teams to feel comfortable drafting him. And there'll be teams that will draft him. But I don't know. I, I do With worry. 13 if, games, would you draft him in the first round? It depends where. He's not going to be a top 10 pick at this point, in my opinion. Now, that's not a knock on Justin Fields because that can all change based on lineup and what I mean by draft order. And and what I mean is, and I'm trying to go back to like last year's draft order, but like, for instance, if you look at Washington, I don't know how good a team they're going to have this year, but they're, they have a quarterback. The Eagles have a quarterback. The Giants have a quarterback. The Cowboys, they have a quarterback, but they're not going to be in position to draft one to begin with. The Jets, they have Sam Darnold. The Patriots, they're going after Trevor Lawrence. They could settle for Justin Fields. Who knows if that's what they end up doing with that or not. Maybe Cam Newton works out and they opt to keep Cam Newton next year. The Dolphins, I think they're pretty good. I think they got Tua and they're comfortable with Tua moving forward. The Bills, they're going to win a lot of games. They're not going to be in position to draft him. I think the Ravens, question mark at quarterback, but I think they're okay. I'm joking. Um, The Bengals, I think they're fine, obviously. The Browns are fine. The Steelers, that could be an interesting one right there. Justin Fields at Pittsburgh makes a lot of sense. I like it. In Pittsburgh, I mean, they're going to win that seven to eight games, that range, nine on a good year? Fifteen. Okay. <laughs> okay. But uh, maybe. But, again, Justin Fields, if if he if his goal was to be the number one overall pick, he might have that drive to, to make sure he gets to play this fall. But because I don't – I'm not saying he doesn't have the drive to be the number one overall pick – I don't think Justin Fields is on the verge of being a second-round draft pick. Not even close. I'm not even coming close to saying that. However, 
we watched Dwayne Haskins have just as impressive, if not more impressive, of a season than Justin Fields did. And look, he fell to 15. Now, draft order matters. Mm-hmm. You know, quarterback demand matters. I don't think the demand for quarterbacks is as high as it used to be in the NFL. I think a lot of teams may not have franchise quarterbacks, but they have quarterbacks that they're invested in at the current time. You know, the Raiders, where are they at with Carr right now? Could they be, you know, interested? The Chargers, they just got Justin Herbert this past draft. The Chiefs, you know, I think that I, I give that one or two more years before they move on from a quarterback. No, joking. Denver? You know, lock. I I don't know. My is guy, he, is he a lock there? The Tennessee Titans. Hey, they're pretty stupid when it comes to quarterbacks. They think this guy's great, so they're they married him long term. You know, but all I'm saying is is that Justin Fields. The, I think that there might be some urgency for him to want to play this year. Mm-hmm. Outside of just wanting to play, the need to play, though, of improving your draft stock because he's not a lock. Right. Trevor Lawrence. Everyone, every, listen to any show throughout the day. College football, the plug could be pulled today. Trevor Lawrence is still your number one overall pick in 2020 or 2021, whatever. But for Justin Fields, you got to weigh the pros and cons, man. I think there's more of a con than trying to rush into a situation and transfer just to try to put more tape out there. I think the pro will be. Georgia makes sense, man. He, I knows mean, the, he knows the system. No, they run, a two, they run a totally new system now. It's not the same system that he ran when he you was. Go there. back to it. It's like, <laughs> like riding a bike. So then everybody else got to change for him? Why not? If you want to I'm win. just saying, like, if you rush into a situation outside of the fact that, you know, he's a quarterback and a lot of that stuff. Not all time, coaches are dumb like Urban Meyer. They actually like to adjust to their talent. I'm just throwing that out there. They don't leave championships on the table. Just I'm, I'm just saying. Timing with your receivers, practice time, uh, all that stuff matters. I think he would put himself at a disadvantage by transferring somewhere to try to put tape out there for the NFL to try to get drafted. I think he has a better chance to succeeding and being drafted if if he doesn't play this season to just say, forget it, I'm going to go train with one of these quarterback gurus and get ready for the NFL. I think he's better off doing it that way. Get a nice little insurance policy or sign with an agent, get an advance on that money and just train and get ready for the NFL that way. I don't think, I think it's Ohio State magically pulls something, a rabbit out the hat and plays a season and he plays or he is packing this stuff in Columbus right now and heading to the next QB coach to get him ready for the NFL draft. I, I don't see him playing for anybody else but Ohio State. I don't know. I don't know. That you sound like you, you should go right for one of those Buckeye blogger sites, man. I'm just There's saying. no way. He's a Buckeye. No, it is not. It's and not by that. the way, another one-year Buckeye. It's not that because he's a Buckeye. It's that I don't see it being. Oh, once a Buckeye. Benefit. Always a Buckeye. Unless you're Tate Martell. <laughs> What's right. he up to? He's an ACC. He's still playing. Yeah, he's. Who would have thought? Who <laughs> the last man standing. Who, who would have thunk it? <laughs> All right. So the Reds are back in action tonight after an off day yesterday. The Reds find themselves in an interesting situation. They took two or three from the Brewers over the weekend after dropping three or four to the Indians to close out last week. How about your Indians? I read more and more about that situation. Levenger, uh, well. That is so selfish and so messed up beyond just your normal reasons of not caring about and the people around you. he didn't tell anybody. Was, it, was he getting milk this time? No. I almost said something. I would have got us an FCC fine, but I stopped myself. That's fine. I'll suspend you for Thursday and Friday. How about that? Sweet, dude. Let's talk some Reds. I got the lineup for you. Kind of an interesting one. Let's go back to bashing David Bell, huh? WING Studios. Here's Justin Kinner and Kev Nash. So let's say we get to the end of September. 
let's just say we get to the college football season. Mm-hmm. Alabama, LSU. You watching? Of course. Of course I am, too. We're about to find out just how regional college football really is. Because it's more regional than you think. I'm not watching. I'm protesting. I'm not going to watch it. Is that the newest buzz? I'm not going to watch. The, I, oh, yeah. I'm not I'm not going to watch football this fall. Okay, don't. Oh, yeah. You'll teach me. I'm, I'm not going to watch something entertaining. That'll teach you. Okay, cool. Well, to be fair, like I said before, I am a huge college football fan. I love the game of college football more than I even love the Buckeyes. So I watch Tuesday Night Matching. I watch LSU, Bama. I watch it all. I stay up late night for the Pac-12 games, the Mountain West games. I watch it all. So if it's on, I'm watching. So Keith Byers, Keith Byers show Mondays from noon to 1 on Facebook. He he reacts to the Big Ten calling it a season or, you know, postponing the fall season, canceling the fall season, and spring football is still a possibility. The only football for Ohio State I want to watch in the spring is the spring game. I I do not want to watch football in the spring. That's an argument for later. Big Ten decided, this is from Keith Byers, he says, Big Ten decided to cancel all fall sports this season. I agree. Trust me, I will no doubt miss the season. I support the decision. I don't have to agree, but I do support it. Would you feel safe letting your child play? Tough decision. If my child was a golfer or a tennis player, maybe football, no way. And Keith has been very consistent on that on his show. And uh, anytime he's made an appearance on our show, talking about that, that, you know, if his son was still playing, his son played at Purdue. Uh, if his son was a current college football player, he would not let his kid play mm. this coming up season. So uh, that that's interesting. I mean, you're you're hearing former players' reactions to this, uh, who are frustrated. Some are blaming uh, Kevin Warren. You know, it, it's been an interesting day. It's been an interesting day. It's been an interesting week. It's only Tuesday. Uh, reactions started yesterday when the reports began circulating, and really, it started over the weekend when reports were circulating that the Big Ten was on the verge of pulling the plug on the season. And then you get to yesterday, and it was it, it was it was a mess. Uh, it was a mess, but. Now it's about what's next, and uh, until I hear Ohio State say that they are not going to play this fall, I'm still holding out hope that there will be a college football season in regards to the Big, or not the Big Ten, but Ohio State. That's all I'm going to say about that. Don't hold your breath. You I just good? don't see it happen. Uh, Ohio State has been a member of the Big Ten since 1912. Is Ohio State ready to sign a big check to the Big Ten? in order to potentially play a season that might get canceled anyway. So say you do. Say you cough up a check for, I don't know, $80 million so you can go play in the SEC. And then two weeks into the season, it gets canceled. Then what? You just gave up 80 million dollars for nothing? Who said that you, I mean, where are the rules? That, there is no rule saying that they can't go play elsewhere. Yeah, but I'm saying, so you, but you have to pay to get out. There's legal ramifications to that. You can't just say, all right, I'm leaving. The reason Notre Dame could do it is because they're an independent school. Really? So if you're the Big Ten, you're going to play hardball with Ohio State, the only team people give a crap about in that conference. You're going to play hardball with them because the Big Ten can, or because Ohio State can say, you know, I kind of like playing over here in the SEC with actually real football teams. You know, I kind of like it over here. Hey, I kind of like the ACC. I only, you know, I have Clemson. I actually have another national championship contender that we face every year. I kind of like that. I I know what you're saying, but again, if it's that one-time fee that you pay to get out, and then you, but or, it's not just or hey, you know what, Notre Dame, look what they're doing. Yeah, they're the Ohio State. Ohio, who's to say Ohio State could be independent? Everyone out there saying, oh, college football will never be the same again. Maybe it won't. 
Maybe this is where we see that. Yeah. Ohio State's bigger than the Big Ten. Yeah. Alabama's not bigger than the SEC, but Ohio State's bigger than the Big Ten. I agree with that. And that's why I agree with what you're saying. But if I'm the Big Ten, I'm not going to put my chest out with Ohio State. Hey, Ohio State, listen, this sucks that we pulled the plug this year. You you don't have to pay. Just go go play your SEC schedule this year. Best of luck. We're pulling for you, and uh, we'll be back next year. Kiss their ass. That's what you got to do. But if you're the Big Ten and you say, huh, you ain't going to go over there, we'll sue you. Yeah. You'll never see a dime. Okay, do that. And then when Ohio State gets out, then they're going to give two middle fingers to the Big Ten and say, we are the Big Ten. The only reason people care about the Big Ten is because of us. They're going to go elsewhere. I cannot wait for that to happen. This is either a chance for Ohio State to leave this conference to go to a better conference or be an independent. Be an independent. You are bigger than the Big Ten itself. You are bigger than that conference. They need you more than you need them. Do it. You're going to leave the biggest payday. The Big Ten pays the most out of any conference with that TV contract. Got to cough up that money. Going to get sued for more money later on for potentially a potential season. A season that we all agree is in the balance. Yeah, but this isn't about just next year. But, but I'm saying this you, you, call, you cause this big riff for a maybe. For a and it's not about a maybe. It is, but well, that's what it is. For a, I'll, I'll, Ohio State wants a maybe over a no as we sit here in August. You, you're willing to do that for a maybe? Yes, because, again, if that maybe turns into a, okay, we can't play football either, it's, okay, well, guess what? We already paid that fee to get out, so what's next? And you talk about the, the rights fees that the Big Ten, by the way, splits with Ohio State. And, by the way, North, or Northwestern, all the teams get the same share. Yeah, that's called being in the conference. That, yeah, but Northwestern getting the same dough that Ohio State does, really? It's pathetic. They're an embarrassment. So if I'm it's Ohio not, State... It's not because it's Northwestern. It's because where they're located. They're well, in Chicago, a big-time media market. And, and that's great. The Big Ten has made mistakes. Yeah, Rutgers. How's that media market? You have a, a lot of people media tuning. market. New York City. That's the biggest media market yeah, in the country. Yeah, but in going after those markets, you've made your conference look stupid. Rutgers is horrible. Maryland, ask them that how the checks look. That's fine. And ask Ohio State what the checks will look like when they're an independent getting that... You know, that NBC type money that Notre Dame's getting. They'll look back at the Big Ten saying, okay, also, that's a lot of Also money. a maybe. That not is a maybe. a maybe. Are you kidding me? Ohio State's an actual national championship contender every year. They're not, I mean, Notre Dame is one of the most overhyped teams, overrated teams out there. They haven't won a national title in how many decades now? Ohio State's averaging a national title a contender. If you were one of those TV networks, you were at least promised a national championship per decade. See what you did? I'm just saying. <laughs> That on a maybe, you're, you're willing to flush down, quote-unquote, years of t- tradition down the toilet. You're willing to flush this season down the, the toilet. The Big Ten already what, did that. 80, 80 million dollars down the toilet for a maybe, for a season that most likely is going to get canceled by everybody. Go ahead. Okay. I mean, it, it ain't my 80 million dollars because I ain't got 80 million dollars. <laughs> In Ohio State, they don't get that. They're going to get even more. They go play elsewhere, and if that doesn't happen, they become an independent. And you know how many? T- you know what the TV deals will go through. The- they-, they will make up that money and then some. They will make up that money and then some. You you say it all the time. Notre Dame makes no sense to go join a conference. Yeah. Well, what about the TV deal? If I'm Ohio State, you know, I'm confused. Andy, what do you mean? Andy says, "What's Kirk Herbstreit going to do now?" I'm confused, Andy. Clarify. Call Monday night games. Yeah, he's gonna. Yeah, I was gonna say this. Probably. What, I mean, Andy, he, he's probably going. He, he, 
he, he's probably going to call Monday Night Football games. Go watch Andy. his sons at Clemson because they're playing in the ACC. Yeah, because it just means more in the ACC. <laughs> no, I know you're saying tradition, all that stuff, but that the Big Ten, they, they risk that. You're, don't say they, that Ohio State's risking that. Yeah, they're, it is a risk. A, no, a risk not. of money and being sued for a potential season that may not happen. You doing all this for one season that may or may not go off. First of all, you think Nebraska would be pumping the chest the way they were if they didn't know that there was a way from the little old Nebraska who has really I'm trying to figure out what their whole purpose in the Big Ten is outside of what they did in the 90s. Uh, what is the purpose of the Nebraska? Nebraska's out here pumping their chest. Iowa's pumping their chest. We'll go play elsewhere. We'll go. You have Arizona State who's threatening the same thing out of the Pac-12. All these little middle of the line, middle of the Pac conferences are saying this. Ohio State can easily bolt and go. And I think they should. The, the Big Ten, needs, the Ohio State needs to remind the Big Ten just who the hell they are. I mean, it's easy to talk when it ain't your money. But it's easy to talk when you know that you have a lot more money waiting for you on the other well, side if maybe. it doesn't work. There's not maybe. a maybe. It is it, a maybe. There, it, it, it is TV a maybe. TV networks are lined up out the door to to sign Ohio State easily, easily without without any question. Without any Andy, help me out here. <laughs> of course, he's going to say, yeah. but it's true. And I'm not even a homer, and I can say that. Wait, you're not a homer. I am not a homer. Okay. <laughs> I am not a homer. Well, just, you don't need to be a homer to look at Ohio State and know that their yes, brand is five times. Their brand is crazy. Ohio State's brand is through the roof. But I'm not willing to flush tradition down the, the toilet and $80 million down the toilet. Yeah, I love tradition. I can't wait to watch that traditional Ohio State-Michigan game. Oh, wait. There is no tradition. For a maybe. For a maybe because, like, man, we got to have football this season. It's got to happen. It's got to happen. Oh, we kick off. Oh, Oh, everybody pulled a plug. Oh, we already gave the Big Ten $80 million. Oh, uh, we got to find a, a TV partner. Hey, want to be our partner? Want to be our partner? And then everybody that's always wrecking Notre Dame, then automatically going to be like, yeah, being independent is cool. What, Notre Dame? They're not cool? People mock Notre Dame because yeah. they act like they are the you-know-what, and, and they and are not. It, it, Actually, it, they are. You just need to take out the V beforehand. You are the blank. No, you're just blank. Notre Dame, and they, they can get that TV deal with no national championships. What do you think Ohio State, who's averaging a national championship a decade, is going to do? I'm just saying, man. I don't think it's just that easy. I don't think it's that easy. Just to be I like, think it's oh, actually man, easy. When you're Ohio State, it's very easy. So if you're the Big Ten and you want to start threatening Ohio State, I laugh at them if I'm Ohio State. I'm like, you really? You can threaten us. You can threaten us. You want $80 million? Here's $100 million. <laughs> Take it. We're going elsewhere, and we're going to go make 150, 200 million off a TV deal in one year, and laugh at you. You're 80 million. I'm just saying. Andy says I'm a homer. Truth. <laughs> Thank See? you. Thank you. And he says he is the ACC commissioner now. And uh, yeah. All right. So the Reds in action tonight. Uh, the Cincinnati Reds uh, again after an off night. Or an off night yesterday, a rare off night. Uh, back at the time, they got the Royals coming up. And uh, they had dropped three of four to the Cleveland Indians, and it looked like the, you know, the, the wheels were starting to fall off. And then all of a sudden, things got a little bit better as far as that's concerned. So it's interesting to see. And as soon as we get that lineup uh, clarified on there, you know, I don't know what just happened there, but we'll get that fixed for you. More of the Justin Kinder Show with Kev Nash. Reds in action tonight against the Royals. we got the lineup coming up for you when we come back. Don't go anywhere. This is depressing. Now I'm depressed. Austin Ward just tweeted out. He just got done talking to Gene Smith. And there's nothing in the world that I hate more than Kev. <laughs> Ugh. 
gets to say, Hey, I told you so. <laughs> I'm Kev Nash. <laughs> Former WWE. I'm a WWE Hall of Famer. Kev Nash. Real quick, I just got to go to one more. Ron on Facebook says, I have to agree with Justin. Play now. <laughs> Nothing is traditional these days. That's for sure. Aye, aye. But uh, this, is, this is depressing. Gene Smith just stopped to chat. He made it absolutely clear that Ohio State will not be playing elsewhere this fall and is now ready to embrace a spring schedule. See ya, Justin Fields. It's been nice knowing you. John Wade. Enjoy Georgia. <laughs> Why Davis. But Justin Fields. That's brutal. That's br- That sucks, man. That I was trying to remain positive. I bet Andy didn't know that. Andy, if you're still tuning in, just so you know, Buckeyes will not look to play elsewhere this year. That's depressing. Uh, But you know what? Throughout the different stages throughout this, we did not think. Like, this just shows you how tough it is to get a sport started during a pandemic. Mm -hmm. Like, we thought there was no way in hell baseball was going to play. That's for sure. And here we are a couple weeks in, and there's been plenty of stubbing their toes along the way. Okay. It's been kind of tough for them, obviously. The NBA, it's been perfect. No positive tests in the bubble, man. Other than Lou Williams going to a titty bar. I mean, there's really... Whoa! You don't have to block that out. I said you can say that. It's not one of the seven deadly words. Jeez, I don't know, bro. I don't know. It's not one of my seven deadly <laughs> words. Strip club, is that better? No. It's yeah, what there it you is. Go. There you go. It's what it was. Or a wing joint, whatever he was calling. Have you ever? Yeah, I asked you that. You never. Have yeah, you I've been, ever to, been a, to a. Oh, yeah. Have you ever been to Atlanta? No. Connector flight. Worst airport in the world. It's week in October, and we just played three straight months. You know what I'm saying? Like, like playing that. Could that be a possibility? Yes. I'm just not a fan of that. For one, recruiting will take a hit. Yeah. Um, there's just so many campus visits, uh, official visits. And by the way, spring, to sit here and act like things are going to be better by spring is laughable. Um, it could be improved by spring, but better by spring is laughable. Um, so th- this is just a joke. Stop with the spring football charade. It's not going to happen. I have no problem with the teams that are continuing to fight to try to play this fall, but stop with the crap of wanting to play in the spring. Because my thing is, is the fall is your season. So you were gonna have you have no football this season. Your fall is gonna be weird next year. You're gonna have back to back odd, strange years. Just wipe out spring and just return to a normal schedule, whatever that normal schedule is. But no, I'm not a fan of the spring season. So let's just move on from that as far as that's concerned. It's the Justin Kenner Show with Kev Nash live here on 1410 ESPN Radio, streaming live at wingam.com, and of course we are live on Facebook. And uh, it's been interesting seeing the people's reactions uh, throughout the afternoon. I mean, a lot of people asking about Ryan Day going to the going to the NFL. Why would Ryan Day, if he's, I believe at some point he's going to the NFL, but I do not picture that now. I think Ryan Day wants a chance to coach his guys. Justin Fields was his guy. A lot of these guys are Urban Meyer guys still. Um, but Ryan Day is kicking ass out of the recruiting trail. I think Ryan Day, Kev, wants a shot to, to coach his guys. C.J. Stroud, Jack Miller. Like, let these kids come in and and see what they can do under his system. I mean, that's why Lincoln Riley's stock is through the roof. Mm-hmm. That's why no one's looking at Ryan Day yet, because I don't care what anybody says. Ryan Day has won with Urban's guys, and, and he's proving he can recruit. And until Ryan Day can win consistently uh, moving forward, that, that's just a hiccup in the Ryan Day 
you know, run right now is this. I think Ryan Day is fine. I'm not questioning his ability, but he does have to still prove it. Just, you know what I mean? Like, you had one good year uh, with Justin Fields and all of Urban Meyer's guys. So let's just wait and see what Ryan Day continues to do with his guys. And I have all the faith in the world that he's going to, you know, coach well and the team's going to play well and all that. NFL. I, I don't see – I mean, it's going to be tough for them. I brought up college because it just shows you how tough it is to get it started. Baseball is a prime example of it's a challenge to get it started, but once you get it started, you can make adjustments as you go. For instance, baseball is already talking about a bubble for their playoffs. They're already. I mean, that wasn't something talked about in the original agreement to get the 2020 season started. Um, but now that's what I mean, though. They didn't have to have that finalized to start the season. Right. And maybe college football was making this harder than it had to be. Maybe you just needed a plan to get the season started and then adjust and then adjust in the, on the flight. Fly. Because to sit here and act like the leadership was so bad to the point where they didn't have a plan for the whole year, good leadership can't come up with a plan for the whole year. You can have ideas and models of what you anticipate, but to sit there and say that you know exactly what's going to happen. I mean, there's still talk of the Reds having fans in the stands of Great American Ballpark. We just canceled the we just canceled high major college football. And the Reds are talking about putting fans in the stands. You can make adjustments as you go. I well, really I believe it, that. I think it really comes down to the fact there was no unity, especially among the Power Five. You know, we hear all this talk about the Power Five breaking away from the NCAA. You know what? No, they're not. They're never going to do it. They're never going to do it because they can't be unified. And another reason they can't be unified is because they don't like each other. The SEC thinks they're better than Big Ten. Big Ten thinks they're better than them. They're not. Uh, Pac-12 thinks they're so academically inclined. All these other schools think this and that about their uh, conference. Uh, Big 12 thinks they're the big money money guys with all their oil money. Like, they can't get along. It's, it's, a, it's basically the same thing as this country as a whole. People just don't get along. People will never yeah. see things For eye instance, to eye. Like Power 5, you would think that Power five schools are all in it together, yeah. but they're not. You would think us as Americans that we're all in this country together, like, hey, let's all attack this COVID thing together. Oh yeah. no, it's we got to we got to attack COVID from a Republican mindset yep. or a Democratic mindset or an independent mindset. Everything has to be. Hey, we're all. I mean, COVID's not looking at. Hey, I'm only going to attack Democrats, not Republicans. Right. Oh, Republicans, they don't believe we exist, but you know what? We're going to attack them even harder. COVID's going after you, no matter what. COVID went after Power 5. It went after non-Power 5. It's going to go after you no matter what. But you're right. This world is effed up sometimes because we don't know how to just work together as a team. We had one common enemy, and we decided <laughs> that we're going to take that common enemy, and we're going to split it up. We're going to attack this side. We're going to attack that side. Everyone work together to go after it at one damn time and stop being Republican and Democrat for one damn second. Stop being SEC Big Ten for one damn second. And everyone, if they could have just come together, and that includes fans. Yes. And by the way, Governor DeWine just came out and said, hey, he really wants ki kids back in the classrooms. He really wants to have an upcoming high school football season, and he really needs our help in wearing the masks. And by the way, this was asked to fans, what, how long ago? And everyone chose not to do it. And back now everyone, April. all the stupid crybabies on Facebook and Twitter today that are crying because there's no damn college football season. And you know what? It's your fault. Facts. Wear a damn mask. Pretend to care about the people around you. This wasn't a Kevin Warren problem. This wasn't as much as I like to blame it on him. This this wasn't a Mark Emmert problem. This was you, the hee-haw, who didn't want to wear a mask because I don't believe in the coronavirus. It's just a, it's a thing to get Trump out of the office, I tell you. No. 
It's stupid. Stop with the stupid comments about everything. Stop blaming Kevin Warren. Stop blaming lack of leadership. The bottom line is, yes, all that played a role in it. But what played a bigger role in it is our inability as a people to come together and say, what do we got to do to stop this virus? Instead of arguing about whether it's real or not or whether it's a hoax or not, wear the mask. It's not killing you to wear a mask. Oh, that's not true. Did you hear about that one lady who couldn't breathe with it? Wear the mask. Wear it. And shut up. Because I'm tired of hearing about all of this. I'm tired about it all. I've hit my breaking point. I was trying to be patient. I was like, you know, everything's going to work out. Everything's going to be fine. No! It's clearly not. And so when Governor DeWine comes out and says, can you please wear your mask so we can have a high school football season coming up? I'm seeing the same stupid comments on Facebook that existed two months ago. Hey, we want to play this year. All right? That hashtag, we want to play, that kind of started about a month and a half ago when Gene Smith... Remember Ryan Day put out that cool video of him yep. wearing the mask and all the Buckeye players wearing the mask? Gene Smith comes out. Hey, guys, we want to see you pack the shoe this year. Let's all do our part and wear a mask. Oh, look at Gene Smith walking the political line. It's a mask. It's nothing political. It's called wear a mask so you don't get people sick. So you don't get sick. Oh, Governor DeWine gets sick. Oh, he wasn't wearing his mask. Maybe you moron, he was wearing his mask. And maybe it was you, the moron, that wasn't wearing the mask that got him sick. You ever think about that? Like, this this stuff is stupid. So I'm already seeing Governor DeWine asking people to wear a mask to have a high school football season coming up. And people are making the same dumb, arrogant, ignorant comments that they made a month and a half ago when Gene Smith, the athletic director at Ohio State, said, Hey, hey, Buckeye fans, we want to fill the shoe up with our crazy, passionate Buckeye fans this year. Wear your mask. I'm not wearing a mask. This virus ain't real. Well, guess what? The virus just took your precious little Buckeyes away from you this year. So stop with the arrogance. Back to your regular scheduled programming. Let's go to Reds lineup tonight. The Reds and Royals are in action. The Reds lineup, let's take a look. Nick Senzel will lead things off in center field and bat first. Nick Castellanos will bat second and start in right field. Batting third and at first base is Joey Votto. Eugenio Suarez at third base, batting in the cleanup spot at number four. Batting in the five hole, the DH tonight, Matt Davidson. Jesse Winker, who is, gonna, I believe, getting his first start in the field this season, not in the DH spot, get the start in left field tonight, batting sixth. Batting seventh and behind the plate is catcher Kurt Casale. Christian Cologne will bat seventh and get the start at second base. Still, uh, again, without Mike Moustakis, Kyle Farmer will get the start at shortstop tonight and bat ninth. And the pitcher tonight for your Cincinnati Reds is Luis Castillo. And that is your lineup again for the Cincinnati Reds. Again, Reds and uh, Royals coming up 640, the first pitch, 610, the pregame. Nick Senzel, Castellanos, Vado, 1, 2, and 3. 4, 5, and 6 belongs to Eugenio Suarez, Matt Davidson, and Jesse Winker. 7, 8, and 9 belongs to Casale, Cologne, and Farmer. Luis Castillo on the mound tonight. The Reds dropped 3 of 4 to the Indians, responded with taking 2 of 3 from the Royals or from the Brewers over the weekend. Can they continue the momentum tonight against a very bad Royal? team we shall find out reds royals coming up next right here on dayton's home of the cincinnati reds for kev nash i'm justin kenner until tomorrow this has been the justin kenner show with kev nash on 1410 espn radio someone just uh chad says you just got seriously emotional oh i'm you know we're good take care everybody wear a mask, wear a mask! sharing that information with everybody and why are we learning from each other getting to work is a little different right now your new commute may be to the kitchen or the couch or the basement if your commute has changed you could be saving money on car insurance with pay per mile car insurance from Allstate you get the same reliable coverage you'd expect 
but only pay for the miles you drive. Drive less, save more with Allstate. Visit Allstate.com or call an agent for a quote. Price also includes a daily rate, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and its affiliates. It's time for some straight talk. You know what covering your bases is in baseball, right? Making sure you have no holes in your defense. Well, that's the kind of coverage you get with Straight Talk Wireless. And you'll pay up to 50% less than big carriers and still use their same networks. Just 45 bucks a month gets you the unlimited plan with 25 gigs of high-speed data and 2G. No contract, no mystery fees. Fully covering your bases for 50% less. Straight Talk Wireless, only at Walmart. Savings may vary. See terms and conditions at straighttalk.com. story a historic day for college sports the big 10 announced it's postponed the fall sports season amid the pandemic the pac-12 has postponed all sports competition through at least january 1st both conferences will look to play football in the spring coaches though are concerned about the viability of spring football explains espn college football writer adam rittenberg how is it going to work how is it not going to add uh, you know even more risks that we've never had to deal with before in terms of trying to squeeze two seasons into one calendar year how is it going to impact eligibility? How is it going to impact recruiting? Adam Rittenberg on ESPN Radio Afternoon. The ACC in a statement said there is no change to its current plan. The conference previously announced a fall football season that begins the weekend of September 12th. Major League Baseball suspended Astros hitting coach Alex Centrone 20 games for his role in Sunday's benches clearing incident with the Athletics. Oakland outfielder Ramon Laureano suspended six games. Yankees outfielder Giancarlo Stanton could be out up to a month because of an injured hamstring. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. Mornings, coming August 17th to the all-new ESPN Radio. This is Spain and Company on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app. ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Guests join us on the Shell Penzo Performance Line. And I think Jordan has power back. Jordan, hey. are you there? Hey, don't jinx it. I mean, we just wow, started three look at hours. that. Look at that. I have a co-host. Connecticut is volatile, much like college <laughs> football these days. You just don't know. Just don't know what the power. I don't know if it's just because I have colleagues out east in that area, and so that's where I always hear about it, but I swear Connecticut has more power outages than anywhere. 90-degree day yesterday. Not one raindrop, not one storm, poof, gone for nine hours yesterday. And it had already been out, what, five or six days in the last month? Uh, six and a half days, yes. Woof. Yes. Good times. Let's talk about something better. Uh, oh, wait. There literally is nothing <laughs> to talk about that's not terrible. 
Uh, let's make it Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. The inevitable, I guess, uh, has occurred. We thought this was coming as of yesterday. There was a flicker of hope due to the real pushback we saw from some ADs and coaches that made us think, oh, maybe this, this decision hasn't actually been made yet. But then we get confirmation, both the Big Ten and the Pac-12 announced today, no fall football, no fall sports, and, and hopes to play the football season in the spring, potentially. Kevin Warren, the commissioner of the Big Ten, was on Big Ten Network today talking about how they came to this decision. As things began to evolve, you look at the number of cases that are spiking, the number of deaths, not only in our country, in our states where many of our schools are located, but worldwide, is that I promise that all the decisions that we will make during my tenure here at the Big Ten, we'll always put the mental and physical health and safety and wellness of our student athletes at the center. And uh, when you look at this decision, uh, it just we just believe collectively there's too much uncertainty at this point in time uh, in in our country, and to to really to encourage our student athletes to participate in fall sports. And we just I take this responsibility seriously. And I will continually do everything in my power to make sure that uh, we put our student athletes in a position to be empowered and to, uh, and to be elevated. But it's people first. It, it is people first. And the hope, of course, Jordan, is that this decision was made because of long discussions with experts. One of the things we heard about recently, and we're going to have Paula Levine, who wrote about this on the show in just a little bit, is this myocarditis, the heart condition that seems to be coming up post-COVID infection. It's something that results in general from other infections, but it's happened in athletes, including Eduardo Rodriguez, most notably of the Red Sox. But the fear that those things that are still unknown about what can happen to your body if you get and survive from COVID, it's not just about the coronavirus, but what it could do to you going forward. And I think that put a lot of fear into the people sending these athletes out without being sure that they could do it safely. But you're not entirely sure that that's the only thing motivating them, right? Well, I, I think there's there's a lot of different motivating factors here. I, I do think that ultimately after, you know, feverishly texting with people that I respect in the college football landscape up to the very minute we went on air, the conversations me and you have had leading up to when we got on air, equally as much respect there, Sarah. Don't, didn't want you to seem like that was being a slight <laughs> at all. Um, all those coming into play, I, I, from what I hear is, it's these athletes coming down with this heart condition that per, that pertains to the virus and so much being unknown there. And it was at first known to be a rare heart condition as, as, a, as a side effect from uh, being testing positive for COVID. But for 10 players within one conference to show signs of, of this, this heart condition... I think that's what put these university presidents on red alert, both in the Big Ten and, and with the Pac-12. And that being said, when everyone's looking at the commissioners making these decisions, they seem to get all the headlines, i.e. Commissioner Kevin Warren, and, and we're going to have on Bobby Carpenter, uh, Buckeye grad and longtime professional football player, who's been directing a lot of his vitriol towards Commissioner Kevin Warren, understand that it's these university presidents at each institution that come together and decide what they're going to do with their universities and if they're going to play. The Big Ten, the Pac-12, 
the majority decided they weren't for this. The minority has been loud. The vitriol has been directed at these commissioners. But it's the grave concern that this could be a deadly thing. This could be a lasting impact that can not only impact the careers of these players, but their lives. And I think that fear is not something that they felt comfortable rolling the dice with because they really felt like it would be just that, an ultimate gamble with a life that is not theirs. And notably, two of the presidents in the Big Ten are physicians, immunologists, people who are very closely tied to the medical community and made a living doing that before taking over. So um, you would presume that those presidents are going to be particularly careful. Uh, there are a number of reasons. I think those discussions about the heart conditions, the still, um, the many unknowns about this disease are, are on the forefront. I do think there is something to be said for the liability issues that come into play here. And that is not a bad thing. If I'm someone who's personally responsible for making the decision to move ahead, or even responsible as a university for these players being safe, I'm going to think very carefully about what situation I'm sending them into and how my school, my conference, my department, my program might be affected by the very worst possible scenario. So you add in the, the health conditions, concerns about liabilities, and then you bring in player demands because the fraudulent sort of amateur model of NCAA sports, most notably in high revenue men's basketball and football, has been exposed for decades. People have criticized it for decades. And it's even tougher to defend going forward if you play on a campus that's either closed or restricted to everyday students, but not so for student athletes. If you give up some of the demands that they're asking for, sort of the unionizing, even though it's not a real union, but the, the sort of emboldened coming together and creating groups that are asking for percentage of revenue. If, if you start giving up some of those profits and revenue, if you allow them to have lengthy insurance that goes beyond their tenure at the school, all of these things for a season that's going to have significantly lower revenue because there's no fans and because it's shorter and it's not conference and everything else, is it worth giving up all of that, opening a Pandora's box that likely has a point of no return where you can't go back after you give those things up, is it worth it? And so I do think there's probably as much as people said they were pushing, pushing, pushing because of the money. You do have to wonder if this money is enough to change forever the model that they play in because it'd be tough to go back. Yeah, and you make a great point about liability without question, Sarah. Another thing worth mentioning is the, the coveted amateurism label that the NCAA holds so near and dear to their heart as they continue to try and control what college athletics uh, look like in the future because of what they've looked like for so long. And Jeff Swartz, the guy we're going to have on at the 7 o'clock hour, one of our analysts and a very, very smart voice on all of this and has been very in tune with it, makes that very point that this was driven by protecting amateurism. And if they go out there and play with these risks, it makes the clear statement that... Sometimes for this club, but... They're grinding it out here today in the first game of this series. Game two is going to be on Thursday. It's another 3 o'clock face-off on Thursday. Our pregame coverage will start at 2 o'clock Thursday afternoon. And I literally had to think about that because I, I'm not sure what day today is. They played Sunday. It just becomes a process of elimination. They played Friday and then Sunday, I guess. Today would be Tuesday. Next game, Thursday. Okay. Too much thinking for me. Who's going to take the face off? Looks like Jenner. No surprise in the defensive zone. Or is he getting booted? He is. Well, they waited too long. They tried uh, 
Apparently they were just putting a bunch of guys out there. And the officials said, okay, look, here's the deal. You're doing the Dubois-Yorkstrand foodie line. So Pierre-Luc Dubois, defensive zone faceoff. Not ideal for the Blue Jackets. Not his normal job. Let's see if he can win one here. Obviously, it'd be huge if he can. He goes up against Anthony Sorelli. And he does win it. Great job. Great job by Pierre-Luc Dubois. Seth Jones plays the puck in the air and back into the lightning end. Zach Bogosian from behind his own net. Steps out, angles toward the right wing boards, passes across down to Victor Hedman. He'll throw one right up the middle, and that's right by everybody, and that's an icing call. So, yeah, Pierre-Luc Dubois, when being called upon to come through with a big face-off win, he does it. And now the Blue Jackets are hoping to get an offensive draw here. Get some pressure. And they've got uh, Jenner's taking the offensive draw. And he wins it. So it worked out on both sides. Orensky wraps the puck around behind the net, but Nyquist was tied up, couldn't play it. It's back out to the neutral zone. Tyler Johnson being defended by Seth Jones, who forces him wide, and the shot missed the net. That's because Seth had stepped into him and gave him a shove. Lightning put it around the boards, came all the way back into the Tampa Bay zone. They will lift it ahead and look out. They've got a couple of men up the ice. Blake Coleman's one of them. He stops, tries to pass it back to the blue line for Victor Hedman. Blue Jackets got a stick on it. Bounced outside to the neutral zone and is dumped back in behind the Blue Jackets net. Here comes Coleman on the forecheck. Kukin hands it off to Ryan Murray. Murray with a pass ahead off the skate of Alexander Wenberg. Lightning trying to turn it back the other way. Alexander Texier kept it in the zone for a moment. Now the Lightning get it back out, but the Blue Jackets return the favor and swing it back in. Shattenkirk has to go behind his net. Kevin Shattenkirk slowly up the ice toward his own blue line, skating left to right. Passes it ahead, it gets tipped, but the Blue Jackets knock it down. Ryan Murray, good feed to Alexander Wenberg, back to Murray, up to the Tampa line. And he'll dump it into the corner. Mikhail Sergachev goes behind his net to try and get it. Alexander Texier working on getting a steal. He almost had that completed, and then reinforcements arrived for the Lightning. Yanni Gord stepped in, took it away, and Blake Coleman will move it ahead to Barclay Goodrow. Blue Jackets are sent back behind their own net. Eight minutes to go in the first overtime. 2-2 game in Toronto. Blue Jackets in the Tampa Bay Lightning. Ryan McDonough over on the left wing side. Finds Braden Point. Point being pestered by Nick Foligno. Gets in the zone. He pulls up. Back to the blue line. Quick one-time shot. That one missed. Comes to the right point. Chernak keeps it alive. And now the Lightning turn it over. Gus Nyquist tried to come up the ice. I thought he was going to pass off the backhand, and maybe he was, but he had the puck knocked off his stick. And Tampa will have it again. A little crisscross in the neutral zone. Palat with some room, and just as he shot, he was stick-checked by the Blue Jackets. Nice job there. Now it is Jenner trying to clear his own end. Finds Gavrikov on the right side. Felino. He'll send it in. Liam Foody is on the ice, goes to the far corner, but... Unable to get to the puck as the Lightning will play it back into the Blue Jackets' end. And this will be an icing call. Good job there by Seth Jones. The puck goes up in the air and it lands. If he pulls up, he doesn't get the icing call. If he backs off and just assumes, they probably don't call him. But he started to take off and he was going hard, which says to the officials, you need to make the call. 
you play that lackadaisical, you might not get the call. You might not get the faceoff in the offensive zone. Nice work by Seth Jones. Dubois, Bjorkstrand, and Foody are out there again. Dubois against Point on the faceoff. Braden Point wins it. And the puck is lifted out to the red line. Orensky across to Jones. Wheels it right back in. Goes behind the net. Vasilevsky went over to cut it off. And he put it high off the glass, and it goes out of play. Now he looked around, and I don't know what exactly happened there. I thought he wanted to put it to where Victor Hedman might be able to play it, but he just ended up sending it high off the glass and out over the glass in the corner. So this time the faceoff is in the right-wing circle. That top line for Tampa goes off the ice. Sorelli is on to take the draw against Dubois. And Pierre-Luc got it to Liam Foody, but then Foody had it stripped away. And the Lightning carries it out to the neutral zone. Tyler Johnson tried to make a pass, and he couldn't get it through. His own teammate had fallen down. Dean Kukin on the end board. Spins away from a would-be check from Alex Kalorn. Outlets it up the right wing side. And Bjorkstrand will chip it to the right wing corner. Magosian goes in there. 6.25 remaining in the first overtime period here in game one of this series between the Blue Jackets and the Tampa Bay Lightning. Here Luke Dubois couldn't fish it out of the corner. The Lightning does have it. They go behind their own net. Blue Jackets will be in position for a line change. Won't be able to get it because Magosian brings it up the ice. Plays it deep into the Blue Jackets zone. Well, both teams are going to start to change now. And Tukin takes his man to the boards. That's Patrick Maroon. York Strand wrapped up. Couldn't play the puck. Shattenkirk from the center point with a shot. Missed the net. Puck comes off the end boards. Tipped to the blue line. Not out. Paquette tried to throw it back toward the net. Went off Ryan Murray and comes to Pierre-Luc Dubois. Again, he's at the end of his shift. So he just wants to get to the red line and play it deep. Does exactly that. And Mikhail Sergachev carries for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Pass ahead off the stick up in the air right to David Savard. And he tried to make a pass, and that one too went off the stick, belonging to Mitchell Stevens and out of play. So a lot of back and forth here. Tampa sneaked their fourth line out there for a couple seconds, trying to give their top guys a breather. They'll want to use them quite a bit here in the final 524, I'm sure. Cam Atkinson on the ice right now for the Blue Jackets with Alexander Wenberg and Alexander Texier. Faceoff is at center ice, and the Lightning control the faceoff. Sergachev slides in over the blue line, dumps the puck behind the net. Gavrikov put it around in the direction of Savard. Puck is bouncing all over the place right now, and the Blue Jackets bouncing outside the blue line. Tampa has to hustle back into their own zone. Kevin Shattenkirk. He's got Braden Point coming up the right wing side. Instead, he will carry the puck, gain the red line himself. Throws it wide left of the net. Here comes a shot from the far wall, kicked away by Corpusalo, and the Blue Jackets have the rebound. Alexander Wenberg up the ice across the red line. Carries in, sends it around behind the net into the right wing board. Skabrikov gets pinched in, and he lost control of the puck, and here come the Lightning. Nikita Kucherov with a backhanded shot, and he missed the net. Braden Point tracks it down over on the far wall. Boy, what a chance there. You've got your top scorer. Comes in. 
got a little bit of a step, and he really didn't even get a great shot away. I mean, end of the shift or, or not, he just didn't get a great shot away. The Blue Jackets going to try to take full advantage of that. As Nick Foligno dumps one in on Vasilevsky, and he was confused as to whether to cover it or not. He plays it aside for his teammates, and here comes Blake Coleman up the ice with a shot. Stopped by Corpusalo. Good job by Foligno coming behind the net. Taking it away from the Lightning before they can get it again and throw it out in front. And Seth Jones will come up to the Tampa blue line. And then it gets knocked away. Where is the puck? It's played back into the zone. Delayed offside against the Blue Jackets. They tag up. And Eric Chernak will gain the red line and fire the puck into the Blue Jackets zone. Bouncing puck. Seth Jones tried to catch it on the backhand. It went off his stick. Zach Wierenski now trying to work over uh, Maroon behind it. He wants to... Feed it off the backhand out in front. Cedric Paget couldn't get a shot away. Here comes a shot. Goes off the body and winds up in the right wing corner. Liam Foody not uh, getting any cooperation from that puck. Here's Paquette again with a shot. That one doesn't go. Well, I think pinballing around everywhere right now. As the Blue Jackets force the Lightning back out to the red line. And they want to bring it right back in again. Victor Hedman into the right wing corner. 3-12 to go in the first overtime period. 2-2 game. Between the Blue Jackets and the Tampa Bay Lightning. Patrick Maroon in the right wing corner. Holds. Put it out to the blue line. Here's a shot redirected on its way there by Sorelli. And I don't know if Corpusalo got a glove on that or not, but it went wide. Blue Jackets get it. Seth Jones just wants to clear it off the boards and out. They did not get it out the first try. The second try they will. Now it is Pierre-Luc Dubois losing the battle. Tyler Johnson trying to get away from Seth Jones. Johnson rolls it toward the net. And that one went up the glove of Corpusalo, came off the other side, and his teammates have it. Liam Foody's got to quickly get this one back out into the neutral zone, which he does. The Jackets trying to finish a change. Alex Kalorn. Oh, he had a man streaking in from the left side, and Braden Point didn't hit him with a pass. Here's a shot caught by Corpusalo, and he holds on with two minutes and 19 seconds to go here in the first overtime period. I'll tell you, the Blue Jackets, they've, uh, there have been some times when they've just been caught inside of that zone, not getting much help from the puck. The puck bouncing all around, all over the place. They're still blocking shots. They're still helping out their goaltender. They're clearing out the space in front of him. They're clearing the rebounds away from him. Faceoffs in the defensive zone. Riley Nash against Barclay Goudreau. Nash pulls it back to David Savard. Behind the net, Gavrikov sends it quickly up the right side, and it's tipped out to the red line. Lightning cut it off there. They play it back in. Another puck that doesn't come out. Here's a shot by Goodrow off of body and out of play. 2.05 remaining. Again, the Lightning, they want to they score off the rush here. And this is Riley Nash that blocks the shot off the inside of the left ankle. And if you think those don't hurt, think again. They do. But none of these players are going to let it hurt right now. It'll have to hurt later tonight. The Jackets tip the puck from beyond the red line, but it bounces around in the Tampa Bay zone, and so there is no icing call. Puck out to the neutral zone. The Lightning have it. They hand it off to Sergachev. He'll dump it in behind the Blue Jackets net. Good job in communication. Gavrikov takes his man out of the play, allows Savard to go get the puck and move it out to center red stripe where Boone Jenner can get it deep. 
just good work there by those defensemen. Heard Jody Shelley talking about that in between periods two and three, how they read off of each other and they just read and react. There's, they've, they've been together long enough now. They, they know the other guy's game and they just react to it. Tampa sends a puck in the air into the Blue Jackets zone. It was standing on end as Wierenski played it ahead. And now Texier, he's saying that uh, he thought that went into the Tampa bench and came back out. Under a minute to go here in the overtime. And Corpusalo covers up a puck after making a save. And Andre Palat was in his face. And the Blue Jackets will just take him over into the corner and talk about it for a moment. 55.3 seconds remains here in the first overtime. 2-2 is the score. Remember, we'll play 20-minute overtimes until it ends. It literally is next goal wins. It's sudden death. But if uh, nobody scores in the next 55.3 seconds, we'll have another intermission and then come back with another full overtime period. Of course, it's happened before. Remember the very first playoff win in franchise history was a double overtime game in Pittsburgh. Matt Calvert, the game winner in that one. Blue Jackets get the puck from the faceoff inside of their own zone. Finally, Nash gets it to Vladislav Gavrikov, and as he put it ahead, it goes off the stick of Gus Nyquist and out of play. So now it's a whole bunch of stops and starts here. No flow to the game with 45.8 seconds left in the overtime. Face off at center ice, won by the Lightning. Chernak will blast it into the Blue Jacket zone as it comes around the boards. Savard put it to Gavrikov. Now up to Gus Nyquist. Chernak keeps the puck in the zone. Nyquist continues to battle. Yanni Gord gets it in a high slot. Blake Coleman with a shot. He sent it wide left. And another opportunity perhaps for the Lightning. Ryan McDonough with a shot. And that one is stopped. And a follow-up chance won't go anywhere. Nick Foligno finally pulls the puck away and clears it outside the blue line. Great chances for Tampa right there. And they send it back in with only seven seconds remaining in this first overtime period. Again, the Lightning may get a chance. No, Nick Foligno knocks that puck down and time expires here in the first overtime. A big push by the Tampa Bay Lightning as time was running out. And the Blue Jackets were able to survive the storm. Corpusalo in good position. Yanni Gord in there in a wrestling match with Corpusalo. Now there's a lot of pushing and shoving as the players head off to their respective dressing rooms. And Yanni Gord was in the middle of that, and so is Zach Bogosian. And this is only game one. And we're headed to a second overtime. Finally... The officials separate the teams. And for the moment, cooler heads will prevail. But they're going to come back out here in 15 minutes and uh, go at it again to find out who wins this game and takes the early lead in this best-of-seven series. And it, players from both sides looking over their shoulders and jawing at the other team as they head off the ice. There are a couple of uh, Lightning players still talking to the officials, and Nick Foligno comes back over as if to say, listen here, they're not just going to get your ear and have their say. So as Foligno gets over there, the whole thing breaks up. And now both teams, well, they're back in the hallway. They're still 
chirping at each other down the hall. Gotta like it. We'll see what happens in the second overtime. At the end of the first, it's the same as it was at the end of regulation. Blue Jackets 2 and the Lightning 2. On the Eldorado Gaming, Sayota Downs, Blue Jackets Radio Network. AEP Energy is redefining the game with our commitment to the environment by providing 100% renewable energy options to make your homes and businesses smarter and greener while delivering value and innovation and doing the right thing for our customers. We are powering the future with boundless choices, boundless commitment, boundless energy. Let's take a quiz. What should you look for when choosing a lawyer? Competent counsel, fair compensation, personal attention, experience? Yeah, it's a pretty long list. The fact is, choosing a lawyer is a critically important decision and well worth researching. That's why Elk and Elk is the right choice. Our team has recovered over $1 billion for our clients and has experience trying cases just like yours. Elk and Elk, every client, every day. Prices that are lower than low on backyard favorites like grill-ready hamburgers and fresh-picked strawberries? Then shop at Kroger. We give you more ways to save on the fresh you love with tools like the Kroger app, where you can find personalized coupons on top of weekly sales, plus rewards like fuel points, giving you prices that are lower than the everyday low. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Snipe and Sally. Keep your car looking playoff ready and wash all you want starting at just $15.99 a month at any of our 17 Central Ohio Moomoo Express car wash locations. Or be like Stinger and treat yourself to the very best with our Creme de la Creme VIP Unlimited Wash Club membership for just $32.99. Wash twice a month and it pays for itself. Do you moo? The CBJ do. For locations, hours, and to sign up online, visit moomoocarwash.com today. Go Jackets! Columbus fans, leave room for dessert because Perry's Ice Cream, that's P-E-R-R-Y-S, is the official ice cream of the Blue Jackets. Our exclusive Blue Jackets flavor, Fifth Line Crunch, is sea salt caramel ice cream with peanut butter swirls, peanuts, and fudge-coated pretzels. This flavor scores and gives back. A donation is made to the CBJ Foundation with every pint purchased. Make every game day moment better with Perry's Fifth Line Crunch. Ask for Perry's Fifth Line Crunch at your favorite ice cream stand or grocery store or visit perrysicecream.com to find a location. Go Jackets! Call Chances are you're familiar with our iconic jingle. But did you know Stanley Steamer started right here in Columbus and it's been our home for over 70 years? We love Columbus and we're proud that you trust us to make your homes cleaner and healthier. We're saying thank you with local specials just for you. Call 1-800-STEAMER or go online to schedule your next cleaning and save. Game one of the Stanley Cup playoffs between the Blue Jackets and the Tampa Bay Lightning still tied up at 2-2. Two two. Remember, this is how we got here. Pierre-Luc Dubois opened the scoring two minutes and 39 seconds into the first period. Blue Jackets led one to nothing until 6:27 of the first when Braden Point tied things at 1-1. Then in the final minute of the second period, Oliver Bjorkstrand gave the Blue Jackets a 2-1 lead. In the first minute of the third period, Yanni Gord tied things up at 2-2. Two two. No scoring in the first overtime, so we are on to a second. 
Right now, I'm joined again by Blue Jackets insider Jess Faboda. What do you think there of that overtime period? It seemed like Tampa started to find their game a little bit more. Yeah, I would say the last 10 minutes of that period where uh, Tampa Bay was the one that carried the play there, and we talked about as we went into the first overtime, what do the Blue Jackets need to do? Uh, I said, you know, come out and, and forecheck and have the puck in the offensive zone, and that's what they did for the first probably six or seven minutes, and uh, I think the shots were 6-3 to three there, Blue Jackets at a certain point, and then after that, uh, Tampa really just found its game, and you almost have to wonder at this point, uh, this is the uh, fourth game in six days for the Blue Jackets. Three of those games have gone to overtimes, and they've all been relatively lengthy overtimes. Uh, you know, Gus Nyquist said the other day that that this, this team doesn't get tired, uh, but you do have to wonder a little bit just if that might start playing a factor here with the amount of hockey that this team has played. Uh, you know, Tampa not quite playing with the same uh, uh, maybe intensity and certainly not playing as many games as the Blue Jackets as they got to the bubble. So uh, that could be a factor, but you know, Tampa's also a pretty darn good team as well, and the Blue Jackets just have to really kind of weather that storm and go from there, and then they, they got through that period by doing that. Well, that's what I was going to ask you next, because it did start to look like maybe a little bit of fatigue was setting in for the Blue Jackets. Not quite as sharp on some things. They were getting hemmed in their zone longer and longer. And and that's one thing that uh, Lightning head coach Sean Cooper said leading into this series, that he was asked, you know, do you think it's maybe an advantage to them that they've been playing in quotes, playoff-style hockey a little bit longer than you guys have because Tampa, of course, wasn't in the play-in series. They were playing round robins. And he said, well, maybe in that sense, but we're also a more well-rested team. And I do think that maybe as this uh, as this overtime goes on, that could play a factor. But, I mean, the Blue Jackets, what do you think for, for the second overtime here? Obviously, fatigue might be setting in a little bit, but how do you get back to, to the way they played for essentially the first 50 minutes of this game? Well, maybe you win it quick, you know. Maybe yeah. that's the way to do it. Uh, uh, I think that would be a good a good thing if you could do that and you know have that push as you come out of the locker room. And if you don't want to keep playing a lot of hockey, maybe go out there and uh, try to get it early is maybe one way to look at this thing. So, uh, yeah, you know, obviously, you know, Tampa Bay is Tampa Bay for a reason too, and we have to give a lot of credit to the to the Bolts. Uh, you know, this is a team that's put together to win a Stanley Cup this year, and they they've got, according to you know most people who follow this league, they might have the deepest, most talented roster in the league right now. And then you look at, I think a big difference for them from a year ago to now is the third line that they have as well, is that uh, that Gord with a goal, but the, that line with uh, Blake Coleman um, also on it, and I think uh, Barclay Goodrow, the, the other piece of that puzzle, has, you know, they had a, a couple of really good shifts there uh, in that, that overtime period. So just the depth that, that the Bolts have, too, they kind of wear you down and they keep coming at you. Uh, and so that's another reason why maybe you, you, you see the Blue Jackets kind of, uh, uh, you know, kind of waning a little bit as that period went on, and just because Tampa Bay does come at you in waves, but, you know, it, it's hockey. You just got to go out there and you got to get that bounce. You got to get that one thing to go your way, and at this point, you know, you just got to throw pucks on that. We saw a couple times in that overtime, they, the Jackets throw a puck on that, and it hits the shoulder of uh, Andre Vesilevsky and pops up in the air, and he has no idea where it is. You know, just put pucks on this guy and see what happens, and, you know, maybe get a, a, a goal that way. All right, Jeff. Thanks again for joining me. I appreciate it. All right. Sounds good, Dylan. All right. That's Jackets Insider Jeff Fabota. Follow him on Twitter for the latest on the Columbus Blue Jackets at Jackets Insider. Two to two as we head towards double overtime on the Eldorado Gaming side of Downs Blue Jackets Radio Network. You gotta come see the new Big Lots. We're going big with a great new look in the store and lots of great deals on everything for your home. Quality brands like Broyhill Furniture, favorites like Doritos and Swiffer, even housewares and home decor, too. Big names, low prices, and big buyouts that'll blow your mind. There are always big surprises in store. So come check out the new Big Lots. Live big, save lots. 
Horizon is your hometown fiber network provider. Not only are we the official communications provider of the Columbus Blue Jackets, but we've been serving Ohio communities for 125 years. Horizon's Pure Fiber Network spans over 4,500 miles and is backed by a local sales team and leadership with our network operations center housed in Columbus. Horizon is fast, reliable, and redundant, but it's how we make business personal that makes the difference. Partner with Horizon today. Visit horizonconnects.com. Loving this phone tour of the GLC. Awesome. Cincinnati Bell Reds Radio Network. The Reds kick off a six-game homestand tonight with the first of two against the Kansas City Royals. And with all the play-by-play, -play, here's Tommy Throw. All right, thanks a lot, Yid. And the Royals come in in fifth place, four games back in the American League Central Division. They are 7-10, and ten, but the Royals are hot. They've won their last four, including a three-game series sweep over last year's American League Central Division champion Minnesota Twins. They're managed by Mike Matheny, and this is the lineup that he'll run out today against Red starter Luis Castillo. Leading off and playing center field is Whit Merrifield. Hitting second, the designated hitter, Jorge Soler. Salvador Perez will catch and hit third. Batting fourth in right field, Hunter Dozier. Ryan O'Hearn at first base bats fifth. Batting sixth, the shortstop, Alberto Mondesi. Michael Franco will play third base and hit seventh. Hitting eighth in left field, Alex Gordon. With Nicky Lopez at second base, hitting ninth. Chris Bubich will start on the mound for the Royals tonight. Once more, it'll be Merrifield, Soler, Perez, Dozier, O'Hearn, Mondesi, Franco, Gordon, Lopez, with Bubich pitching. Now for David Bell's Reds. They come in tied for second, four and a half games back in the NL Central at 7-9, and nine, and lead off with center fielder Nick Senzel, hitting second in right field, Nick Castellanos. Batting third at first base, Joey Votto. Eugenio Suarez will play third and hit cleanup. Matt Davidson's the DH, batting fifth. Batting sixth in left field, Jesse Winker. Hitting seventh, the catcher, Kurt Casale. At second base, batting eighth, Christian Colon. And the shortstop, Kyle Farmer, hits ninth. Luis Castillo starts on the mound tonight for the Reds. Once more, it's Sinzel, Castellanos, Votto, Suarez, Davidson, Winker, Casale, Colon, and Farmer with Castillo pitching. Tonight's starting lineups are presented by Rural King, America's farm and home store. It's the Reds and the Royals from Great American Ballpark in Cincinnati next on the Reds Radio Network. Reds fans split the pot tickets are now available online with a new jackpot for every Reds series. Support the Reds Community Fund and you could be a winner. Raffle tickets are available only at Reds5050.com. Remember, you must be 18 and older and in the state of Ohio to purchase. Plus, make sure you tune into Fox Sports Ohio and the Cincinnati Reds Radio Network to catch all the Reds action this season. 
Toyota's summertime savings are here. Get back out there safely in a new Toyota. Now through August 31st, get an adventurous new 2020 RAV4 with $1,500 customer cash or $1,000 on a powerful RAV4 hybrid. Or you can lease a RAV4 LE for just $199 a month for 36 months with $29.99 due at signing. With approved credit through TFS, tax title and license extra. Call 1-888-36-TOYOTA for details or go to buyatoyota.com. Today, tomorrow, Toyota. Doesn't that airplane sound get you excited to travel again? CVG Airport is open and operational when you're ready to fly. Updates to the airport have been made to ensure a safe and healthy experience. Cleaning procedures have been bolstered, plexiglass guards installed at ticket counters and gate areas, and hand sanitizer dispensers placed throughout the airport. Fly healthy, wear a mask, and practice social distancing. Visit CBGAirport.com backslash fly healthy for more info. Mask on. Take off from CVG Airport. We haven't taken a day off from dental insurance in over 45 years. That's decades of helping businesses like yours keep their employees healthy. Decades of building the strong national network of dentists we have today. For us, there are no distractions. We're all about dental. So no matter the size of your company, we have an easy-to-use plan that's right for your business. United Concordia Dental. For important disclosures and to see why employers rely on a partner who's dedicated to dental, visit discoverucd.com. ready for baseball tonight here at Great American Ballpark. The Reds and the Royals ready to open up the first of this two-game series. These two teams will be getting together twice really over the next week. The, the Reds have two games against the Royals, four against the Pirates, and then on the back of that, two more games in Kansas City. The Royals are a team that really struggled over the last few years, but they are hot right now. They come in having won four straight with the Cowboy, Jeff Brantley, and our producer-engineer, Dave Eddie Armbruster. I'm Tommy Thrawn, Cowboy. The Reds, at times, have struggled against teams that they need to find a way to beat. They've got two more of those teams here over the next eight days. Kansas City's playing good baseball right now, but when you've got Luis Castillo on the mound, he's got to go after these guys and really get the job done and get the Reds in the win column. Well, I think when you, you look at this Reds club and you're talking about the way that this staff has performed and, and what you're looking at in the long haul because of the players that you have, it really doesn't matter who's on the other side of the fence. And it doesn't matter how good they're playing. These are ball games that you should win. You should beat the Pirates. You should beat the Royals. you got eight ball games. I would say that six and two, you can't take anything less than that. See how they fare. Luis Castillo at times has looked really good. At other times, he's been a little inconsistent this year, and uh, he's he's been hit around. He's had some deep counts. Probably hasn't gone as deep into games as maybe he should on some other occasions. How does he go out there and be successful today? Well, I, I think the biggest thing for Luis Castillo is he's got to dial it up a notch. It can't just be, um, okay, I'm showing up and it's my day to pitch. 
Uh, you got to take some nods from Sonny Gray and Trevor Bauer and the way DiScafani is pitched, and you have to dial it up a bit. There is much expected from Luis Castillo. He hasn't faced this Royals team before in his career. Most of them have not faced him, so it should be a fun evening of baseball. Reds and Royals, hope you enjoy it from Great American Ballpark in Cincinnati. Let's play. Luis Castillo toes the rubber. It's everything situated out there on the mound. And now he'll look in to get the sign from his catcher, Tucker Barnhart. Meanwhile, or uh, Kurt Casale, Whit Merrifield stands in, and the first pitch of the game is on the way, and it's a called strike over the inside corner. 6.42, first pitch. Today's first pitch brought to you by Belterra Park, Cincinnati. Cincy kind of place. Visit belterrapark.com. And the pitch is fouled back by Whit Merrifield, who stands in, hitting 284, four homers, 11 runs batted in. And this Kansas City team finally getting back to full strength. They were really bit by the COVID bug coming out of summer camp. And they're finally getting everybody back. Here's the line in Castillo's home with the 0-2 pitch. And Merrifield swings and misses. And there's the changeup. Merrifield strikes out to open the ballgame. It's always interesting to watch a hitter the first time they face the changeup of Castillo after seeing one of those upper 90s fastballs. And even as good as Whit Merrifield is with contact, he was no contact swing there. You talk about a guy that can collect some hits <laughs> at all of Major League Baseball over the last couple of seasons in that category. Now Castillo deals a first pitch strike over the outside corner to Jorge Soler. And this is another guy that packs quite a punch. Five homers already this year, hitting 286. He's driven in 10. Castillo right back home with the 0-1 pitch, and Soler takes down and in. Count is even one ball and one strike, and the right-handed hitting Jorge Soler. Just underway at Great American Ballpark. Castillo back home with a 1-1 pitch. And he finds the outside corner right at the knees with a 99-mile-an-hour fastball for a called strike. 85 degrees at Great American Ballpark today. That's tonight's Tempstar game time temperature. Breaking ball in. Get complete home comfort with an energy-saving, high-efficiency Tempstar heating and cooling system. Find your local Tempstar dealer at Tempstar.com. Tempstar, quality you can feel. The wind in the 2-2 pitch. And Soler takes a breaking ball too far inside. And it'll fill up the count. Three balls and two strikes. Castillo right back in there with a payoff pitch. And Soler swings and misses. Another changeup. Back-to-back strikeouts for Luis Castillo to open the ballgame. A lot of taken pitches in that at-bat from Soler. It looked like... He was deciding he was not going to swing at all until Castillo broke that changeup out. And he had Solaire looking silly. Two gone, and now Salvador Perez will stand in. Boy, are they happy to have Salvador Perez back in Kansas City. Missed all of last year after having Tommy John surgery. The pitch to Perez, a breaking ball strike over the outside corner. And it's 0-1 on Perez. He is signed through next year, a six-time All-Star. And you could really say he's kind of the heartbeat of this team. The pitch. Swing at a ground ball headed for short. Kyle Farmer 
A step to his left, gloves and throws out Perez, and the Royals are down 1-2-3 against Luis Castillo in the first. The Royals nothing, and the Reds coming up on the Cincinnati Bell Reds Radio Network. Did you know Geico's now offering an extra 15% credit on car and motorcycle policies? That's 15% on top of what Geico could already save you. So what are you waiting for? Your dentist to actually believe you? And you're flossing every day. Absolutely. Great. Um, and you're cutting down on your sweets? Of course. <laughs> Wonderful. Then I don't even need to look in there. Great. See you in six months. There's never been a better time to switch to GEICO. Save an extra 15% when you switch by October 7th. Limitations apply. Visit GEICO.com for details. Hi, I'm Johnny Bench. Some days you wake up feeling like you've been hit by a 90-mile-an-hour fastball. That's why I use Blue Emu. Blue Emu's non-greasy, deep-penetrating formula gets down deep into those joints for big-time comfort and without any of that funky smell. Now that's what I'm looking for. Blue Emu. It works fast and you won't stink. The official partner of Major League Baseball and the Cincinnati Reds. Wrangler made their jeans for those who roll with the times. Whether you're a professional bull rider, hanging out with friends, or working, Wrangler has the style and fit for each occasion. And Rule King has the lowest prices every day on a huge selection of Wrangler jeans. And through August 16th, when you buy two, you can get one pair of Wranglers for free. Offer valid on all men's, women's, and youth jeans. Find the perfect Wrangler jeans, work shirts, and more at your neighborhood Rule King. America's farm and home store. Our family loves game days, and even though we can't be there in person, we can still enjoy the same delicious game day grub with JTM's Beef Hoagie and Beef and Chicken Philly Kits. In just a few short minutes, I can serve the entire family ballpark classics while we cheer on our favorite team from home. From JTM Craft Beer Cheese and Pretzel Bites to Signature Hoagie and Philly Kits, find everything you need for the next big game in your local grocer's freezer section. JTM, let's create great dishes together. Bubich on the mound for Kansas City against Nick Sinzel, Nick Castellanos, and Joey Votto here in the bottom of the first inning. No score at Great American Ballpark. And 22-year-old left-hander gets the ball today. Cowboy, this is a guy that hasn't pitched above A ball until this season. But the Royals folks really seem to like what they've got out of Chris Bubich so far in two starts. Well, command of the fastball is not where I think that the Royals would like it at this point in time. But... His changeup is an awfully good pitch. Uh, we've seen it from Castillo. It's the main secondary pitch for this kid. He'll throw it first pitch. He'll throw it behind in the count. He'll throw it 3-2. So you better expect it. Left-hander ready to go to work. He was first-round pick out of Stanford. He was a supplemental first-round pick in 2018. Now he's ready against Nick Senzel, who stands in. Bubich into his windup. The pitch to Senzel is swung at and fouled straight back. The count is 0-1. This is the first road start of this young left-hander's career. Bubich, so far 0-2, 3.60 ERA. Went four innings his first time out against the White Sox. Then against the Cubs, went six and gave up just two runs. Now he misses to Senzel, one ball and one strike. The red center fielder in there hitting 233 with a homer and four RBIs. The pitch, and Sinzel pops it foul. Right side over to Avalux, Salvador Perez, the first baseman, Ryan O'Hearn, but it'll land in the Reds' first base dugout. 
Good to have Nick Senzel back in the lineup. Had that groin issue that kept him out the last couple of ball games. He suffered that in game one of the Brewers series. Back in there now. Had a five-game hit streak. I kind of thought that Senzel, and I think you and I had talked about it a few days ago, that there was a chance if he kept swinging the bat well, he would be right back in the top of the lineup. This is where he hit most of the time early last year. And he takes down and away two balls and two strikes. And he was really swinging the bat well, but he's 0 for 7 over his last three games. That was after he snapped that five-game hit streak, and he swings and misses at the 2-2, and he's down on strikes. 2-2 changeup. It's up and away, but Sinzel is through it before the ball ever gets there. One away, and that'll bring up Nick Castellanos. He bats with nobody on and one man out. Castellanos hitting 293, seven homers. He's driven in 16. This is another guy that's cooled off a little bit after he was red hot. Bubich deals, and Castellanos takes up too high. One ball and no strikes. Castellanos walked and scored in the wrap-up of that Brewers series on Sunday, but was held hitless. Now he takes a called strike over the outside corner. One ball, one strike on Castellanos. Of course, you can make all you want out of a short season, it doesn't change the fact there's still going to be ebbs and flows. You're still going to have guys that get hot. You're still going to have guys that cool off, swinging and a miss. It's one ball and two strikes. You know, it's interesting watching the different ways that guys pitch. You watch Castillo. He's on the edges with his fastball or he'll miss. And that's basically what Bubich is doing. He's starting on the edges with the fastball. If he does throw a pitch that starts in the middle of the play, it's the changeup. This is down and in. Two balls, two strikes. Do you think Bubich can sit there during this start? A guy in Castillo, even though Castillo is right-handed, Bubich is left-handed. They both rely on good change-ups. Can he sit there in a game he's pitching in and, and kind of watch what Castillo does and take notes from that? And this is hit sharply on one hop. Fine play by Mondesi reaching to his left. Spins, throws, and he got Castellanos. Fine play by the Royals shortstop for the second out in his first inning. Not only quick range to his left did Mondesi move, but comes up with a cannon shot to first base. I like that arm. And that was a double clutch and still had time to throw a rocket over there to get Castellanos. I don't think that you really watch another guy so much when you're in the ball game simply because you're trying to you're trying to think about the hitters that are coming up next. You're trying to keep yourself locked in. Votto swings and lines one through the shift and down the right field line into the corner. An aggressive turn by Votto at first, but he'll hang on there with a two-out single. First ball swinging against the young left-hander, and Votto rips one down the right field line for a base hit. That'll bring Eugenio Suarez to the plate. 
Whenever Reds pitchers strike out 11 or more batters in any game this season, LaRosa's will donate $1,000 to the Reds Community Fund. It's not free pizza, but LaRosa's wants to continue to show support and help the great work the Reds Community Fund does to improve the lives of youth throughout Reds country. Suarez bats now with Votto at first and two outs. His average up to 132. Couple of homers, six driven in. Ubich from the belt delivers, and Suarez takes up and away. He is sitting on home run number 149. Well, there is a whole lot of move, movement with Chris Ubich on the mound. Bending, twisting, turning, rocking back and forth as he gets set to the plate, and Suarez grounds it foul outside of third. And those are things that for a pitcher, it may be a little bit of anxious ticks, nervousness, adrenaline, whatever you want to call it, but it gets into the head of a hitter. You start looking at those things rather than the baseball, you're not going to be ready for a fastball or a changeup. You're going to be off time. Votto leads away from first. Bubich from the belt. And he's home with a 1-1. And the fastball misses high. Suarez jumps ahead, two balls and a strike. We've talked about it before. Eugenio Suarez is not a hitter you want to fall behind in the count on. He can make you pay. From the belt, the 2-1 pitch. And it's a strike called. A generous outside corner to the right-handed hitting Suarez. And it's 2-2. Two two. C.B. Buckner's the home plate umpire tonight. Chris Conroy's at first. Larry Vanover at second base. And Jeff Nelson's the crew chief at third. Votto has his lead at first. And Bubich comes set. Now to the plate instead of check to first. And Votto just steps back to the bag easily. As you would imagine, a Stanford product Bubich is very intelligent, but he doesn't really overthink the craft of pitching. He's very aggressive for his age. Here's the 2-2 pitch. And Suarez takes a breaking ball down, and the count is full three balls and two strikes. So his demeanor is something that really carries him and has allowed him to Assimilate to the major league ranks rather quickly, even though he has never pitched above a ball. Off the rubber, back on again. He sets up on the third base side of the slab as he looks in to get the sign from his catcher, Perez. Votto will be off on this 3-2 pitch to Suarez. There he goes, and it's a ground ball to third. Gloved by... Franco and the plate of first is in time and the inning is over. Two out single by Votto. He's stranded at first and we've played one. Reds and Royals. Nothing, nothing on the Cincinnati Bell Reds Radio Network. <laughs> 